Hello and welcome to episode 279 of The Crate and Crowbar. It is the 17th of April, 2019. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Alex Wiltshire. Hello. Tom Francis. Hello. And my slightly too high microphone stand. <laughs> Just a second. Ease it down. Ease That's it better. Down. That's better. I can now relax into my podcast slump. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of podcast slumps, I'm sorry we missed an episode next week. Last week. Last week. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, we're not missing next week, I don't think. There might be a slump. We'll find out. Uh, no, last week is the one I mean time. Yeah, that's how that works. Forwards. Not omnidirectionally. Uh, sorry we missed it. Uh, time is meaningless. <laughs> so it's okay in many ways. It. Yeah. We'll just do it in two weeks' time and we'll go back in time and put it there. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, well, exactly. We're doing episode 279 now. So did we miss it? The answer <laughs> is no. <laughs> Case closed. Exactly. Thanks, Tom. Um, so, uh, in the news this week is, uh, is, uh, City of Heroes again. But for a kind of amazing reason, uh, Alex, you, you uh, revealed this story to me <laughs> I, I, earlier. Yeah, I, I, so, I broke the story. Oh, what's this I'm throwing towards you? What's this? It's the I, book. I got a steaming news turd for you. <laughs> We're going to go with something more metaphorical than that, but yeah. okay. Hot off the presses. <laughs> I was uh, amused and uh, interested in this story, and I thought I'd tell you about it. Um, uh, City of Heroes, which... Um, the best the MMO. most beloved. Yeah. You two have played it. I have not. It's the only one I really beloved. got into. Yeah. Um, MMO from, what was the public? Who, Cryptic. Who Cryptic, yeah. And NCSoft. Yeah. Um, but it was closed down in 2012, I believe. Yeah, man. Whereupon it's small, but engaged, super engaged audience. Some members of managed to, um, somehow take enough files, <laughs> enough internet stuff and enough like pictures and codes and things <laughs> pictures and internet stuff and reconstruct it upon a server of their own invention uh of which they and essentially play the game and have been playing it on the quiet for the past six years which is incredible because so there have been other attempts to emulate city of heroes and they've been variously unsuccessful and not complete and i believe like you know obviously challenged because not precisely a legal thing to do um i believe uh the the secret one is called score s-c-o-r-e such, such a good initiative and it stands for the secret cabal of reverse engineers <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing and and so yeah i believe i don't know what the current state of this is in the community because i'm obviously not that au fait with the city of heroes community but appears to have obviously really divided people because on one hand uh, an actual perfect emulator does exist on the other hand it was kept secret from the community so it wouldn't get shut down for six years. So therefore, you know, until in, someone came out? along, like basically someone it was discovered. It. Yeah. It was discovered by a, a former fan of the game who figured that it had been and gone. And that was that. Stop and, having fun without yeah. us. Oh, you've been playing all this time. Yeah. He had ultimate, ultimate FOMO. I, li- I like the. Imp- that's actually a hero in City of Heroes. <laughs> that's, a very, that's actually a really good City of Heroes character name. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever there is fun, <laughs> he's not uh, there. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like, do the first three Ultimate FOMO movies and then leave him out of the Avengers. <laughs> it just doesn't show up at all. 
Oh, good. <laughs> just in the post credit. <laughs> yeah, the person you're raid is only in the post credit scene. That would be the thing, right? Like, maybe this is a bit off topic, but City of Heroes was so sort of, um, uh, great because it, um, captured what was fun about making a superhero in a very sort of, in a world that was open to every single kind of superhero all at once. And so you could just sort of do anything and, and it had fun with that in character creation. And, you know, they had a sort of a fan's understanding of how superheroes break down into types by mm. origin and type of power and, and things. So you can be a, a wizard or a robot or a robot man wizard or a, an alien or, you know what I mean? Or, you know, a mutant or, or any of these sort of archetypes. But at the time in, you know, outside of comics, that wasn't necessarily how like, uh, superheroes worked in pop culture. I appreciate obviously the, actually no, it was 20, uh, it was shut down 2012. So it did overlap obviously with the beginnings of the Avengers stuff. Marvel universe. The first Avengers movie was 2011, I think. So, hmm. so it was, yeah. I think by the time it shut down, it was very much forgotten. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. It wasn't in the news until it shut down. But it's fascinating the kind of like when I was doing writing about, uh, Roblox, there are quite a few superhero MMOE games in, in making yeah, Roblox right. where you make a character and you can have it you know, like from these building blocks of different uh, powers, you know, running quickly or flying, whatever. It's like there's this sort of latent interest in that. And I don't know how much of how many of them directly riffed originally off um, City of Heroes. You'd think that it would be a little bit too old a game for a lot of the people who are I making it. I think so, yeah. But it's like, it feels like almost the, uh, the world, the way, you know, how ubiquitous superheroes are now and how particularly ubiquitous that sort of team up idea is. It's kind of surprising that there isn't a game that caters to this yeah. thing that it did because they did champions yeah. online afterwards, right? They um, did. Yeah. Which was, uh, was that still in Seasoft, but a different developer? I it was, it was no. Bill Roper of Diablo fame. Mm. Um, but I can't remember actually what the studio was, whether mm, it was yeah. Cryptic or whether it was something else. It's amazing. City of Villains was great as well, which is the sort of expansion pack that yeah. sort of flipped it on its head, which was, I mean, you're still doing largely the same things, but it was like, <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, it was like you fought other villains. <laughs> <laughs> you do spend a lot of time fighting other villains, yeah. <laughs> I had a problem. I, I was, um, I tried making a, a it wasn't the scrapper. It was like the villain version of that, like a brute, I think it was. And uh, it was a good idea for a class where like you build rage by doing your attacks and stuff. And I think it makes you more and more powerful. But it completely conflicted with every other class that I was trying to play with because when we'd just beat up like five guys, I desperately needed to get onto the next fight to capitalize on all my rage before it faded away and everyone else needed to stop and rest and so i was always stuck in this awkward situation like let's go guys let's go you must have yet come on come on come oh, on yeah, I remember that. i'm yeah. not gonna be angry in a second so <laughs> yeah it's like i think also you know maybe it's a tiny bit of a eulogy for city of heroes now that it's actually died or whatever like or it was alive the entire time i'm not sure it's a very comic book thing to happen actually yeah <laughs> all this time exactly alive. it's secret bunker beneath yeah um but the, like, I think it was also the first MMO that I played where it really, it, you know, it was movement for movement's sake to, you mm. know, to a, to a great extent. Like, you know, I think if there's no, well, I was going to say maybe there's no anthem without City of Heroes, but I'm not sure, you know, whether there's a direct inspirational link there, but there's obviously a really big, you know, the notion that you have fun moving around and then go do your mission or, or land to do, to beat up some goons and then fly off again is a really sort of. Did you go for flying? Um, I know my, my character was a, the jumping guy. Yeah, I did jumping first. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Sounds so lame. It is. It is lame. <laughs> that wasn't his name, right? <laughs> jumping guy. No, I can't remember what my character was. No, my character was a scrapper, I think. Like a jumping scrapper. Uh, a jumping scrapper. That's my yeah, first. Uh, interesting. Yeah. A scrapper being a fighty melee, melee man. Uh, yeah, like Wolverine. really fast attack. Yeah, very much. <laughs> like, Tom was about to finish that whole sentence. <laughs> Wolverine <laughs> is the answer. Um, like, yeah. I think, yeah, I sort of accidentally, just like very steadily accidentally made Wolverine, like decision by decision, <laughs> apart from the big jumps, that was the only thing that was very different. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine, but jumps. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and also I really like the idea that um, it's been secretly around for a while because it's, I don't, I don't know what other defunct MMOs are secretly still yeah. running. Mm. Well, one of the things that did, did come up in there was a Tabula Rasa was, uh, <laughs> with, oh, I can't remember what the name was. It was like, it was a really good play on its name that kind of, um, you know, which means blank slate or, you know. Yeah, right. Thing, but it, yeah, like Tabula Rasa was continued to be played until it was shut down because it contravened all the copyright stuff. Yeah. And obviously, like you mentioned before we started recording, Alex, but like there is a sort of a swell of feeling, even if it's not fully thought through, that this stuff should just be open and free. Mm. And yeah. Could they not just let it go? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, by that, I mean, couldn't the developers slash IP owners let this happen rather than... Yeah. yeah I suppose... I know there's stuff about defending your copyright and... Yeah. There's also the archiving nature of this stuff as well, you know, sort of mm. is it legitimate sort of creative work, which is completely non-existent you know if it's not actually played you know yeah especially right. for mmos like yeah. you know with a single player game as long as someone's got to download a copy <laughs> it can still be played whereas mmos the server is typically something that no player has yeah yeah once right. the developer takes it away the game is gone I quite like the idea of just letting people run servers if they want because it means it's like putting the source book for a pen and paper rpg out even if you no longer plan to release new material yeah. or update the rules it's like if you can run this with your friends just go run it with your friends like i guess like there's it, issues where like if someone uh runs this and uses it as a way to like scrape people's personal data or give them a virus or something it's you know it uh it's their ip that's kind yeah. of the face of that and yeah. so it'd be I don't know if they would be legally responsible, but they would. Get but it feels, it feels like it's a legal, it's a legal problem. Like it, it's as if the, the first company that that comes up with the boilerplate, you know, terms and conditions, you know, that manages to solve all the problems with, you know, the, what the scenario that you put out and and the connection with a live IP and that yeah. company's ability to build on this property in future and blah 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 blah, while giving, you know. The, the, you know, letting it free out, you know, into the world. It feels like the company that manages to solve that legal challenge or that problem, you know, might just be the start of a dam. Because I think, you know, I think that any company that does do that would get such amazingly good, you know, response. Yeah. Mm. You know, and the, I think I always think good will that would, you know, roll back that, on yeah. them. Yeah. And it feels like it would. You know, rather than competing with your the product you're actually making money from, I feel like it would sort of keep the flame alive if you yeah. ever do do a sequel or anything. That there's these people who've been playing it that long, and well, it's like sort of you know the you. It, I mean, it happens in in the premium world where you know a, a, uh, often when a new uh, part of a, a series comes out, the previous game is put on 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 special offer. You yeah. know, and it you know costs a fiver, and the new game is yeah, about to come they out do a free for weekend or something. You know, and this old game is still a good game, and like it offers tens of hours of play, and yet it still does, promotes the new game. You know, and yeah. that, that's I yeah, guess right. that would happen here. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the issue is if you have even like a boiler point, a boilerplate legal text or a terms of service thing that runs, you know, you say you can, you can emulate this as much as you like, but your server has to have this, you know, disclaimer in front of it where people load it up that says that any experience they have is not the responsibility of the original developer, something like that. Then the issue is who enforces that? And whose job is it to troll servers? You know, yeah. I mean, do you employ one person whose job it is to go looking for abuses of this system? That's, you know, uh, it becomes an infinite kind of mm. task, at which point maybe it's easier to simply legislate against it. However, legislating against it clearly doesn't really work or make anyone happy because <laughs> it happens anyway. So, I don't know. World of Warcraft that, eventually pushed Blizzard to, um, well, it wasn't so much, a, it wasn't like a, in a weird way, it was similar because it's like the original World of Warcraft was what they wanted back and it didn't exist anymore. And Blizzard had a, you know, a way, uh, more legit reason for not, um, uh, having that themselves. Um, in that, you know, they're trying to move the game forwards and, uh, yeah, right. build on it. But, uh, the unauthorized WoW vanilla server, which they shut down at some point, mm. um, uh, did they ever like reauthorize it or something? Come to some agreement? Because I know eventually something. they they decided to do their own one. They're, they're just using a wow vanilla thing that Blizzard are doing officially now. But that's a memory that they sort of re they went back on that and allowed it because there's such a big backlash. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Yeah, and there's the I mean it's not quite the same, but there's the RuneScape situation where new RuneScape was you know. It's nice and 3D. It's actually, you know, not horrific looking and <laughs> it doesn't look like it would, has the worst UI in the world. And, you know, uh, and, you know, people wanted to play the old RuneScape. And so hmm. you have these two versions just sort of playable at the same time, you know, and, and still most of the attention. I don't know what the player division between players is, but like the attention, most of the videos about um runescape today are based on the old version yeah right <laughs> it's funny like i think maybe maybe developers underestimate the importance of nostalgia to mmos mm. particularly like the places people remember hanging mm. out so they want to go back as they were really yeah like, are there vanilla tf2 servers out there there, there must be there right? must be there must be surely yeah i remember that being a big one people were bitched about like uh yeah i don't understand it's it won't cover them brutal as a developer it's like People love our game, but they hate everything we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of the work we've done for the last eight years yeah. is apparently trash. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, rocking up with like, we're making some amazing plot developments. We've blown up the world and rebuilt it better. And uh, no, I don't want, I want to go home. <laughs> like, unblown up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like the kind of the meta plot of like, you can fix Azeroth, but it involves pirating this <laughs> emulated server from like, you know, and then guess what? Nothing, nothing bad ever happened. There was one round of feedback we did with Heat Signature while it was in development, where it was like I think it's like four months since the last one, and I I was asked people in their feedback to give it a review score, and we averaged those out and you know see how we're doing, and it was the first time ever that that went down. <laughs> it was like last four months of the work, I've just made the game worse. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually. Um, uh, it turned out to be just like one really, really bad decision, which was easily fixed. <laughs> right. And the rest of the game had got better, but I just massively <laughs> fucked up the progression system. <laughs> you shouldn't have added that clown car noise every time you pressed space. <laughs> it wasn't the right decision. It's the only way to progress. <laughs> Gotta honk at least eight times a second. <laughs> It makes a stealth game a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 
it's diegetic sound as well. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you like to pause time, honk the clown head. <laughs> when you're followed by a clown, you honk his nose. That's, that's what stops time for you. <laughs> but he constantly suggests what you should be doing rather than letting you experiment. <laughs> Just made it a lot worse. There you go. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it was a mistake in retrospect. You can see why we didn't ship with it. Uh, yeah. Is that all we have to say about the City of Heroes scenario? It's kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. City of Heroes was good. Yep. That still is, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. for some it still is. I guess, I mean, now is it over? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't scroll to the end of this polygon article, but I <laughs> will put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a fast-moving, developing, breaking new situation, so we we'll have to leave it to you to keep talking and scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm scrolling the wrong window. <laughs> scrolling the recording. But there's a there, the other. There is one other aspect of it that was kind of interesting because there's there's this anger from the person or the people who discovered that it was you know running all the time mm. and they hadn't realised, which is which feels in its abstract, you know, from the abstract like a little entitled to feel that like yeah. oh huh, there was something that i should be part of yeah and, and like well i mean also this community I mean, if, if they'd publicized it they would have been shut down ages ago yeah, right? like you know you don't all get to come to my party <laughs> i am mad when i find out there was a party i wasn't invited to though <laughs> just anywhere in the world <laughs> You heard it first here, listening. <laughs> You're responsible for Tom's ultimate FOMO. <laughs> um, uh, the article concludes, which is by Cass Marshall, by the way, uh, concludes by saying that um, scores developers intend to keep developing the project in secret and they do not intend to share a project report and the NDA will remain in full effect. Hmm. Which is sort of like, go away. They're <laughs> <laughs> slamming the doors. La, 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 la. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing to say. It's like <laughs> little, the little kind of latch opens, like what? behind the yeah. little. Sort of, no, go away. Yeah, sounds fun in there. Shut up. <laughs> and that's that. NC soft, silent, and va- and massive, and never said a word about it. Apparently, <laughs> right? Maybe they learned from Blizzard. Yeah, maybe they just crushed them. Lawyers. <laughs> um, we should talk about what we've been playing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, enthusiasm level Could Wednesday. <laughs> um, Tom? Yeah. Pick a game, any game. Um, I played a shitload of things, so I'll, I'll talk about some things quickly. Um, one is Beat Saber. I played a lot of Beat Saber. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone told me it was good, and then it was. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of that segment. <laughs> so, I, I actually, I was interested in it because I wanted to try and, um, I wanted to see if it was a good exercise. Because I remember I used yeah. to play Hollow Point, which is an archery game, and that was certainly got me sweaty <laughs> after a certain. So to clarify, Beat Saber is a VR game, just my worth pointing. Yes, out. yeah, uh, yeah. Like a, um, I'm playing on Vive, so it's a stand up and not so much walk around, but certainly thrash around game. Yeah, um, and I played Beat Saber, and I loved it. Um, it's a game where you basically have a lightsaber in each hand, and you're just, you're just swiping at blocks as they come past you, and the blocks are timed to the track that you're playing, so it has a kind of audio surf. Um, vibe to it i seem to remember the audio surf guy did uh did like audio shield in vr yeah and i didn't mm. play that that was about like catching beats on your yeah shield arms I think. i'm curious to see that now because when you play beat saber it's like so obviously oh yeah this is what what audio surf should be in vr yeah. uh, it's extremely satisfying to slice through blocks with with lightsabers um and doing that to music is even cooler 
And I played on, I think I played like the campaign, which kind of eases you into it. And I was enjoying it a lot, but I didn't think it was especially good exercise. And then I tried, um, I decided like it has loads of customization options. So usually you have to hit the blocks from a particular direction and it varies with different blocks, but you can turn that off. And I thought I want to try like a harder level, but turn off that off. So I don't have to worry about direction. I just have to hit them all in some way, which is like 10 times easier. Um, and then when I tried, I didn't even go up to like the hardest level. I went up to just hard and boy, that is good at exercise. Yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Do you leave obstacles on? Uh, yes. Cause you get these like sort of like blocks that also you have to kind of like dodge and weave around. It's, I, I forgot the, the coolest thing about VR, which is, um, that, you know, when you're playing a game like this, where it's a, a sort of, these are kind of sports already. When yeah. you're playing one of these, it's a new thing you're doing with your body. And the incredible thing is how quickly you learn it. Like when I'm playing a new game like Sekiro or, or like skill based stuff where I really have to like ingrain it in my reactions, my actual like the parts of my body that need to do it well are uh, very limited, uh, but they have to do it extremely well. And I'm very slow to learn. I get almost not perceptibly better at these games when I play right. them over and over again. And every VR sport that I've played, you know, my skill level after like 10 minutes versus my skill level after 20 minutes is just night and day. Just You get good at something so quickly and it's so satisfying. You just like, your body just sort of um, gets kind of programmed to, you know, deal with things and, and to process visual information yeah. and react to it in these, all these instinctive ways that feel so cool when you pull them off. And you just learned this like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it does feel like cheat codes for sport because it's like, <laughs> it's just sort of often, it's just small elements of understanding of how, the environmental controls or the physics work and little sort of bits of sort of um, finesse with your, you know, movements, but it never challenges your strength. For example, you don't have the sport thing. Of yeah. like, I've learned a new sport, but I need to get stronger over the course of months in order to be, get better at this or, or whatever. It's just, or fitter or yeah. I mean, being fitter probably helps, but it's like, you can go from being like, I don't know, something like super hot. Like I can't reliably throw this ax into a guy's head. To, I can do it every time now. <laughs> and I've just matched, mastered the neck and it's, it's extremely gratifying yeah i find that beat saber doesn't really resemble either hitting things with lightsabers or dance <laughs> no like, it's interesting like the, <laughs> you the, don't feel, you can't really afford to dance <laughs> no like you think oh it's sort of like dancing but with lightsabers because of the rhythm but it's not it's like doing the the sort of the you know in terms of the inessential vr qualifier of like how you look to the outside yeah. world while you're doing it you look like you're doing semaphore for a funky plane <laughs> like that <laughs> it's like you know you're landing all of them to the beat but yeah it's it's not as uh it's neither as aggressive nor as dancey as it sounds it's do you like, feel cool or do you have an awareness yeah, in really, in the vr world well, you feel amazing you are you do know how dumb you look i've just like i lean into that because <laughs> I, I know how dumb i look no one else is around uh i keep my blinds shut but my windows open because it's incredibly hot <laughs> and i don't want anybody to see me um and yeah just look like a fucking idiot yeah i mean i, th- <laughs> I think the other thing cool. is like because like I, um, I liked playing it with the obstacles off, but the block directions on, on hard, because I love, it's really satisfying to like understand a run of block directions and yeah. then nail it, right? Like it's, it's, it's like, um, but that is, that often means you don't need big movements. Like the blocks aren't huge. You don't need a big cut to get all the way through them. So often you're sort of holding your arms out in front of you and just handling it with like wrist movements. So I'm doing it. And obviously this is a great podcast. Like it ends up as sort of more like conducting an orchestra, yeah, but super fast, but <laughs> conducting an orchestra with both hands with laser swords in a kind of space VR dimension is basically just cyberpunk Morris dancing. It's <laughs> <laughs> I actually found, cause the scoring is like, um, you get more points for a block. If you, 
uh, I think it's, you have to, your lead in swipe has to be at least 90 degrees and your lead out, your sort of follow through has to be at least 60 degrees. Yeah. Um, so you've got to do like a, a sort of a quite, uh, full arc swing. And I have no idea what that looks like. You know, I don't know what degrees I just did, you know, in yeah. either aspect. So the only way I ensure it is just do like a really big exaggerated swipe and try and do that quickly. That's when it gets to be good exercise. <laughs> you just go like a fucking madman. I think I probably derived a way of playing it that was the least physical. <laughs> I was interested, like from the videos I've seen of Be- uh, Beat Saber, it, it's like, it's a very watchable game, surprisingly for, yeah. for VR. Like it's, the the audio or the visual feedback is seems really good you know it seems incredibly sort of reactive lots of big sparks of colors and yeah. stuff as you swipe yeah stuff. right i was just interested so audio shield like you can i couldn't see why one of them may have succeeded <laughs> yeah. or not. like do you want to be the shield or do you want to be the sword <laughs> Saber, yeah. yeah i wonder if when beat Saber came out i was like oh why don't i think of that <laughs> the other cool thing <laughs> music gun <laughs> I'm sure that exists as well. Um, actually, speaking of, of of lightsabers, we didn't mention uh, Respawn's uh, oh, yeah. Star Wars game yeah. was revealed. Yeah, did you guys yeah, see yeah. the trailer for this? I did. I did. did nothing for me, <laughs> but I'm still excited about yeah. the game. I, 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 and you know me, I do like the the doings of the Star Men, but <laughs> um, the <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, tentative episode nine title. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was my 50p in the ring. I was going to be. I, yeah. Um, um, now it's from my favorite, like, uh, I think it's an Orson Welles quote about the Transformers cartoon, which is like in an interview he says, and, and they even make an entire cartoon, entire films about the doings of these toys. <laughs> and, um, and that's one of my favorite quotes about like, uh, like pop culture from the late eighties onwards, because Doings. it's like, well, that's awful. That's all culture. <laughs> Basically all superhero movies. Also, it's like just the doings of the toys. I mean, that's video games as well. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, the toys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good option. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Yeah. Ad. Otherwise it's a really deep color work. Yes. Yeah, but like uh, anyway, Star Wars trailer. Star Wars trailer. Yeah, I feel like the trailer itself didn't do loads for me. No, because um, I don't know. Like uh, it was, it's a plot trailer. It doesn't really give you much in terms of what you'll do in the game. Um, but, and but you know, you'd think that a plot trailer, especially for Star Wars, you might move, especially a heart such as yours. I think I yeah, am. It's, it's a low. Uh, there's low hanging fruit. I yeah. think for Star Wars. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think, you know, it really reminds me of, um, uh, Dark Forces, actually. You know, young Jedi on the run. Young ginger Jedi on the run. Well, from- but it looked, oh, there's something about the, the way things moved. It reminded me of Force Awakens. Like it felt you like mean Force that Unleashed. Era. Force Unleashed, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It has a little whiff of that. That I think I, you know, I think the, the, the reality of, uh, really liking Star Wars a lot for me is it's the only thing I really love where I like, I really don't like, like at least half of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's weird to say this, but like, you know, I, I, I'm happy with every new Star Wars movie that comes out because it reduces the percentage of the total number of Star Wars movies to <laughs> irreconcilable garbage. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, um, and that is a weird position to be in when you're a fan of something. But like, you know, similarly, I have consumed so much old expanded universe Star Wars material in my life. Um, and chewed it up and spat it out and make nests out of it like a little hamster. <laughs> that like it, I it is easy for me to be unmoved by a story that's quite familiar like sure, that. Like yeah, young, yeah. you know, I'm a bit disappointed that it's sort of like um, 
uh, young man hero. Like, Star Wars yeah. has actually been pretty good at introducing new heroes to that. And it's just, I fucking hate his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a big part of me for me as well. And, and similarly, like, that story of, like, Jedi trying to get, survive in the years prior to the rebellion and stuff has kind of been told both out of canon and in canon recently like the rebels cartoon is really good and is is that story as well so it doesn't feel like very new territory and um i'm very and i'm also wary of the star wars games need to have a jedi in them impulse um that has meant that we haven't had a return to things like x-wing or tie fighter or Mm. or even the original dark forces which was ultimately Mm. just a you're a rebel spy game you know, it feels like you're kind of not allowed to make a, a a Star Wars game unless you know someone ignites a lightsaber in it. Well, after Han Solo, you know, Solo didn't do well. You know, you got to, even though they got to have they, a Jedi in it. They got a lightsaber ignition in that film, one way or another. Like, yeah, that's true. yeah, it was, yeah. Anyway, but like, you know, there's that element of it, and that's not to say the thing that makes me excited about it is simply that it's a respawn single player game. Well, you say two that. was amazing. So, but it was just that, like. They had, they got a war running thing in it. And it's just sort of like, <laughs> oh, and my brain just sort of went, but that's not, that's, that's not Star Wars. That was but in Jedi is, Knight though. Jedi, oh, was it? Jedi Knight games? Back oh. me up here, Chris. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can war run in Jedi Knight. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. It's all right. It's all right. It's, um, it's, it's, I cite precedent Jedi versus Wall. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out if there was a joke in like Jedi Titan Fallen Order. Um, but there isn't Alex. <laughs> Alex's face is just wrinkled inwards. It didn't it? It was then. Then there was a charitable smirk. Sort of, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's actually a character in <laughs> New Star Wars. <laughs> um, but I say all this. I uh, I will play it. Yeah. <laughs> I will Me buy too. and play it. Yeah. So I will say this. There's a there's a strange sort of, you know, EA came out and said, "That's right, everyone." Fully single player, no microtransactions. Oh gosh, yes, we and should have talked about this. Sid, that was that's a weird play. <laughs> really that's weird, a play. weird play. Like um, it came. Interestingly, it came from the uh, EA Star Wars accounts. Yes, which right. Is, who controls that? That's just, like I would like to know. Well, I, so I read the interview with Amy Hennig about it. Right. Uh, do you see this? Because obviously she was working on a single player only yeah, Star Wars yeah. game, and it's canned for being a single player only yeah. Star Wars game. Um, and she mentioned that uh because she said that basically it must be part of the basically the way she said it was like well it came from that account so it must be part of the strategy um it made it sound like the ea star wars account what whoever does control that was part of the unit that she was you know working for Mm. yeah Yeah. and i think she explicitly said it's a bit annoying yeah (laughs) yeah my game got closed down for the reasons that this is being celebrated yeah it's a weird flex I mean, the work, like, <laughs> she did say this as well, that, that, that the whole landscape has changed since then. Like, even just in general, but also especially Battlefront 2 and the backlash there, you know, where like Disney, um, got involved, had to, like yeah. step in. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird one for a few reasons. Um, it's weird because, well, it's weird because, um, it's not like a different company <laughs> doing it. It's a company that did the thing people didn't like in the first place. Yeah. So celebrating that they're not doing something, which has actually been... The- Meanwhile, being made by a company which is happily doing loot stuff like, on its other game. Yeah, yeah. right. Paid for by Apex Legends. Yeah. Um, like the, the- I actually, I wondered if um, like this deal must have been in place for a while. I wonder if like uh, Respawn 
uh, made this deal when they didn't know Apex Legends was going to be as big as it was. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe they're a bit like, hmm, we didn't need this. Well, anyway. No, maybe the deal was, um, you know, uh, you made Titanfall 2, you made an excellent single player campaign and you made a multiplayer game that is still doing all right, but it was never going to be a, a massive, like, you know, battlefield beating or Call of Duty beating success. Tell you what, guys, we're going to let you do two games. <laughs> you can do a battle pass friendly, uh, battle royale game. And if you do that, we will let you make Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that makes more sense. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a funny one. The other funny thing is that like, this has sort of been the story of all of EA's communication about, um, their Star Wars games. Cause it's like, we've got the license. We're making Battlefront. Oh, people are angry. There isn't single player. <laughs> so the announcement of Battlefront 2 was like, and they were, they were angry. It was Galactic Civil War only. So the announcement of Battlefront 2 is like, guess what, everyone? We've undid the things you didn't like. <laughs> and that's sort it's of everything to all people now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is also a weird sort of play in a way because I think it has an interesting relationship with the value of uh, – or the actual uh, – not value, the efficacy efficacy of backlashes, mm. right? Um, it was not fan uprising or uproar that ended um, loot boxes in Battlefront and more broadly. It was probably the moment someone at Lucasfilm picked up the phone. You know, it's, it's, and obviously there's a relationship, but it is not one to one. And, um, this has, you know, there's been debates recently about things like, uh, uh, review bombing and other forms of sort of players kind of, you know, involved. And, and it's not to say that players shouldn't express how they feel about decisions the companies make, but often you can point to a very specific thing that steers the decision making process that happens. Like it's, you know, they, they said at the time that the reason they ended up putting a, single player campaign of Battlefront 2 is because John Boyega, who plays Finn in the movies, complained like on Twitter, you know, and so it's not, it's, um, it's weird. This sort of, this, uh, not necessarily, it is pandering. I think it is pandering to like, say like, we're not doing that shitty thing. You will get angry about it. It almost validates some of that outrage, which can be often, mm. some, often misdirected mm-hmm. and, and end up uh, making lives harder for developers that yeah, don't yeah. make these decisions. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, it almost validates the, the devs aren't listening or the devs don't care narrative to say like this time we give a shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a bit uncomfortably for me that, that, yeah, that line. Um, but I will nonetheless, uh, buy and play this, um, <laughs> space man doing product. I always wonder if like, it would make more sense for a company like EA to have these separate studios and just give them like, just really downplay their ownership of them. Cause like having them all under the same umbrella, I imagine the upside of that is partly to do with like shareholders and being able to sort of, uh, you know, accumulate and, uh, what's the word? Aggregate, like keep all these things together so that overall your culture is always pretty strong and you mitigate a lot of the risk and you always have something coming out. Mm. And that's good for, um, for your stock price and stuff. But on an individual basis, uh, for gamers these days, at least it feels like it's, much more likely that your name gets tarnished than it gets boosted. Like people uh, out of like EA, Ubisoft and Blizzard and uh, most of the major publishers, like no one has a good reputation anymore. <laughs> They're all in the garbage. Like everyone's mad at them. Yeah, for, for particularly in the whole of the moment, I think. Like it definitely feels that their name is one of the yeah, most I mean, on, on Reddit, at least they have been for yeah. forever. Um, yeah. And Ubisoft... Um, uh, were, you know, most hated company in the world for a while after the, the, they introduced their DRM thing. I feel uh, like Ubisoft's... In gaming circles, anyway. 
Ubisoft didn't have didn't like they they took that title from EA and EA got it back. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, not to say that Ubisoft yeah. are a wholly the good ghost, but I think Ubisoft is the one that stands out to me as consistently avoiding this. Like obviously there are mistakes, things people don't like, but they they chug along. Like now the things that like DRM have been broadly accepted. I, it feels to me like they have, and there were things like last year, like the um, or was it earlier this year, the, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC story stuff that people got up got upset about for for good reasons. But beyond those few things, there isn't that sort of knee-jerk um, instant assumption that an EA game is bad, for yeah. example, that, yeah, yeah. That, that haunts EA and that, that they really struggle to shake. Um, yeah, I just wonder if in both cases it would be in their interest to de-emphasize their own ownership of their... and yeah. just say, like, this is a um, Far Cry studio game and this is a uh, Star Wars game. And this is a Yeah, I mean, you know, imagine if we lived in the world where... Um, you know, EA had either not gone this down this path of um moving all their studios onto a single technology base and uh, a single almost like design base in terms of the service idea, or like a you know a common sort of philosophy to game creation, and had instead sort of constructed like walled gardens around particular kind of disciplines. So here's FIFA team, here's Battlefield team, here's Bioware, for example. I feel like their output would look very different. Here's Maxis doing Sims and SimCity, right? Like, I, 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 you know, it's it's very easy to backseat, you know, manage these companies to some extent. But I feel like possibly EA yeah, do ago, though. No, they don't because that's, do they always put their name, or is it, or is when the game is identified by the rest of you know out, everything outside ea's name name because it's so controversial is always put in front because they do like bioware is bioware like bioware never Not, talks about ea do they no but i mean you've presumably read like what's happened to to bioware for the last couple of years yeah, yeah. Right? which like, is so which is which is which is sort of centered what on, i mean is like i'm not talking about in terms of public perception hmm. i'm talking about in terms of yeah, actual, you know, no, just the operations of those studios. Right. Like, yeah, you know, okay. they were sat, you know, let's say 2012, let's say the end of the Mass Effect trilogy. Mm. If you, t- uh, which is also sort of, I, I'm not sure exactly, I think uh, Sims 4 came out in 2014. So that period, there was like a period of time where um, my experience of working on, you know, covering EA games professionally, like going and visiting places was very much of like, you didn't see EA lots. So there was like, there was obviously some common threads, but like there were definitely pockets of you know activity happening in different places and and the sort of uh that unification Mm. uh was probably happening at the time but you certainly hadn't felt it yet and i can imagine that company actually having some pretty exciting looking kind of like siloed off little parts of itself right like Mm. you know fifa's going to always generate loads um sims is always going to do really well and that should, I think, and I maybe looking with the benefit of hindsight, maybe people are maybe now understanding, and maybe this Star Wars game is EA's expression of this understanding, that having these sort of uh, prestige projects, these sort of critically acclaimed, but maybe not monetizable as hell projects is just good for the sort of like cultural health of a company. Mm-hmm. And so like Bioware's job really, in a, if EA had handled it appropriately, would have been to just generate, you know, like game award wins for them you know what i mean to, to to be the studio that goes away and produces their gods of war or their last of us games or whatever it is that but that probably wouldn't have come back and reflected on ea and therefore it would just reflected on not. that little one maybe not because that's because sony can do that because because it reflects on the console and you know that's 
that's what they want to do. They want to sell consoles. Sure, but it wouldn't have hurt. <laughs> and it wouldn't have hurt to, mm. like, so if they're at a crossroads where one, one with three paths and one path is, you know, actively maybe funneling more support or protecting BioWare's resources to allow them to risk to hold whatever that sort of formula was, that team, you know, hold that team together. That's one path. Middle path is maybe don't do anything and just let things chunter along. And the right-hand path was move those studios onto common technology, pool tech resources, pool design sensibilities. What that has led to is the extremely high profile and very visible gutting mm. of a studio that people loved, which when you were being voted ridiculously as the worst company in America before that, that is not a good look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was an option, there were several options and several of them weren't produce a new disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the, the, on a smaller scale, this is like the thing that I just don't get is what happened to PopCap where there's right. this, this company that there's just made like tiny, but very sort of popular yeah games like that each one of them just felt beautiful to to play and like you know and ea bought it and then it put made two third person sh battlefield uh, uh sort of uh, inspired shooters and that was it oh, didn't they do was plants vs zombies 2 when ea oh that's right because that was like zombie 2 it was yes. the same game you know and love but kind of ruined by the fucking ruined <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly like if i seem to remember it was like shit loads of ideas in it but like made yeah, unplayable was, by all the amount of bullshit. i remember there being very mixed reaction actually because yeah. there was a lot of good stuff in it but it really was heavily yeah. gated by the free play stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of Man like alive and that was it that i think I, i'm pretty sure that was all the podcast done since since being bought and didn't george fan get kind of stiffed out of that whole thing and he get like let go like or that. yeah yeah he was let go yeah. we don't need this genius creator <laughs> most addictive games ever yeah and what use could he be to us it's it's easy to you know try and narrativize the stuff from the outside because you don't know what really goes on behind the scenes but at the same time like let's look at the results shall yeah. we? <laughs> but at the same time though yeah should we go back to what games? we've been playing yeah, yeah that's the star war that's the <laughs> we've all three of us have been playing uh heaven's gold uh, <laughs> heaven's <laughs> heaven's who is gaunt. heaven's gold heaven yeah uh, nice. heaven's vault <laughs> Ooh, a new game by Inkle. Yeah. The wordy story. Yeah. I am a lot less clear on, on their identity now that I've played both games because yeah. it's, AC Day it's actually, yeah. Um, and sorcery. Yeah. And I played that too. And this is different to both in some fairly major ways. So it's a game about deciphering a lost language. Um, and, uh, I didn't, Somehow I didn't even know this till I played it, but it's 3D. <laughs> like I'd seen trailers yeah. and stuff. It didn't click for me that like, oh, this is a 3D world with 2D sprites in it. Like your character is a 2D sprite. And it's got a very weird animation style that I was dubious about, uh, even before I played it where like, to me, before I played it, I would have told you the animation style is like, instead of actually being animated, they sort of just sort of fade between frames of like, you're here and then you're over there and you're over there. Yeah, you're standing, then you're kneeling, then it's, you're looking. Yeah. yeah. And that's, the, yeah, that's true in some cases, but actually it's, it's much more like a, it's a 3D environment where you are moving around freely as an avatar that happens to be a billboard 2D sprite with ghost feet for some reason. <laughs> your feet are, invi are invisible and they fade up to your shins, like your opacity fades up to your, your knees for some reason. Um, 
and maybe because the animation rate is so low they they they're worried that your feet would look weird against the ground you'd be ice skating too much but uh, i think it's not a good alternative it looks like you're floating yeah, but right. by ironically making you float because you do yeah. you don't you do have feet when you're standing still. Yeah, that. sometimes they draw them, sometimes they don't. Um, and then while you're moving smoothly around with your ghost feet, it'll randomly leave a well, not randomly, but I think when you stop and start, it leaves a ghost of you, and that fades out. While so, there's two of you for a while, and then that fades out, and it's so weird. It doesn't. It is, for like, me, it does not work. I at almost all. want to like slow down a bit and unpack how weird it is because <laughs> like. I, I have played an hour, so that's a caveat. Like, I know Pippa's finished it. Um, cause she reviewed it for PC Gamer, I believe. And, um, Pip loved it. So that's a one that, mm. you know, really, really liked it. And it is, I think it's because it is, it is, um, it's, it is full of its own ideas and everything that it does. Yeah. It's set in a, in a sort of, in a, it's, it's a science fiction game in that there are robots and sort of spaceships, but you know, the paths, between like planets and stars are really just like almost like bergs of rock looming out of a foggy nebula. You're, you're, you're in a nebula, aren't you? So yeah, and you're connected you're, by your ship is like a wooden boat with with sails that you you go down rivers. We can talk about that separately. Like rivers of space, mm. it's water, but it's, yeah, it's they water? specifically say it's water. Yeah, but it is like the water of the nebula, which is. It's but it's like it's very very kind of um, it's a metaphor. It is. It? It's in the same sort of science. It's in the same sort of like. Um, I guess space travel, but through a, a lens of mythology that links it to some of the skies. It's yeah. very different aesthetically. It has a, mm. it has a, a sort of a Middle Eastern aesthetic, which is, is really beautiful. And the it's, different locations you go to are yeah. very sort of colorfully different. It has a sort well. of, yeah. And it has a sort of sense of it being the far future with ancient elements that reminds me of like some pretty robust. SF science fiction writing, like there's bits of Ursula Le Guin in it, I think, you know, mm. in a nice, in a good way, like in yeah. a way that I am, I am, you know, so the, the really positive for me is like, it doesn't, um, it has its own identity very, very quickly. And that's really, really good. However, and that is connected, I think, to its artistic and presentation decisions, but they are a ride in themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, yeah, like you say, there's the, obviously it's 2D sprites moving from frame to frame, but exploring a 3D world. Um, which reminds me of somehow like old PC action games or mm. something where you'd have that sort of technique. You're transparent from the waist down. You leave a ghost behind when you stop and you sometimes you move automatically. Yeah. And sometimes you don't. And sometimes the camera is moved automatically in a really inconvenient yeah. way. It has all the problems, all the, uh, camera problems of a um, third-person game with very scripted camera angles. It's going to do everything very cinematically, but then it also doesn't do anything very cinematically. <laughs> it's, so it's, a very, it's a severe problem, like a choice that they've made, which is to to do speech bubbles, and they they're connected in the three D, like mm. on the two D plane, but relating to the three D view, so that if uh, and a third like an NPC is walking past and moves the camera as they go past. Um, the camera will flick forward, moving the position of the bubble text, and so you can't tell who's talking anymore. Yeah. Like, it's uh, really yeah, fucking yeah. confusing. I've yeah, I've had, a, I had some cases where I thought I was narrating to myself, like monologuing, yeah. and then I turned around and suddenly a line appeared and it was my robot talking yeah. to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you can't see who's talking because they're out of view, so, like, who's saying what here? Like, There are also decisions, like, it has a... Uh, it doesn't have voiceover for most text, but you get a sort of voiceover narration. Yeah. 
which is a very like i really like the voiceover <laughs> yeah um, i like the voiceover as well but i didn't realize until the narrator said i for the first time <laughs> that oh. the narrator is also your character oh really oh it's I, because I they're so that from differently the written like because huh. you have lots of different yeah options. i get a different vibe from them actually yeah, yeah they they sort of the game is really good at creating i think the game looks brilliant when it's still as well because it's really nice 2d art um but it's obviously looks a bit ropey when it's moving um but it also is constantly creating quite a kind of like elegiac sense of everything like pip and then credit this this point is credit pip because we were talking about it earlier the purpose of the ghosts when you stop what pip loved about them I'm sort of saying this for her and maybe she'll be able to do that on the podcast next week, maybe, but, um, is that it kind of, you know, you're an archaeologist and you're digging up sort of the remains of civilizations. And there's a lot of things in that game that are all about reminding you of the passage of time. We need to talk about the timeline mechanic, for example, which is mental, basically. Which, yeah, basically it shows you every event that you've played through. Yeah. So you can see when that happened on a line, but it also shows you every event which has been alluded to or mentioned to you. Just yeah, all going back. <laughs> well, I've like 1000 years or it might yeah, be. Yeah. You can, you can zoom out to 10,000. No, it's 10,000 years. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah, like can, that's something you can zoom out the timeline to show you the last 10,000 years and you can zoom yeah. it in to show you the last 11 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and that's nuts. And so, but it has, but what that plays to is this sense of, it's a game about the past and it's a game about like the traces that are left behind by civilizations and things. So, you know, Pip's interpretation of the, the ghost effect where you stop and you might see like a single frame of your character looking off in a particular direction or something and it holds for a second is a reminder that you mm-hmm. yourself are leaving traces as you go. So Chris Donlan came to a similar conclusion. Yeah. Interestingly, in his and review for Eurogamer. It's such a strange decision, but I also credit that it's an intentional decision. Mm-hmm. It's intended to create a particular effect. And I think a lot of the writing feels that way to me as well. Like there's this sense of like, well, yeah, I had some thoughts about because, yeah. uh, so, so you, you said that like you don't really see where this fits with other Inkle games. And I think I do definitely. So I, I played last night, um, with my son and we're really enjoying it. Um, but like, it's not the kind of thing. My son is 13 and it's sort of, you know, it, he was really, he was enjoying it and like, especially like the, the language aspects of it, but, I want, what I wanted to show him was like sorcery because like mm. that is like fantasy kind of nuts and bolts kind of, but well done kind of game went back to it. And I was really interested in like, it felt like it answered some of the problems with, with, um, that I felt and we've been discussing with heaven's fault where, um, there's a lot more sorcery, which is basically a very much, a um, a, a sort of choose your own adventure in the terms of having a certain number of options at any point. And yeah. when you choose those options, they're chosen and you can't go back. And I think there's a lot of that with actually Heaven's Vault, but yeah. the 3D world disguises that. Like we're used to being in 3D world. You go over there and you feel that you can always walk back again to someone else. And like you've, you've got like this agency in a 3D world, which, the, which actually Heaven's Vault doesn't give you that and can't give you because it's sorcery and for every encounter you have you've actually got a set of options that you're invisibly choosing by well it has yeah. this nutty back-end system isn't it i yeah, actually yeah. talked about it in the podcast before long before i, I played the game because they um john ingold gave a talk about it and it is what it's doing behind the scenes is insane it is yeah. something that like um that many designers toy with and think, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could do a game like this? But of course you never possibly could. (laughs) (laughs) And they, they have made a game using that system. For me, it is breaking in many ways that I will, uh, get to. You're talking about the sort of narrative proc gen. 
It's yeah, that the it's supposed to be designed so you can do kind of almost anything in almost any order because nothing is it's rather than being like a branching tree, like a traditional like a Mass Effect type narrative, it's um a million different conditions uh, that are all kind of independent from each other in theory, and it's just checking for if if at any time these three conditions are true, this dialogue will pop up, or if so that, there are five in, other dialogues that are also valid, it will pick one of those randomly. And that happens in sorcery as well, but on a far already. more kind of um like I'd say it's probably more. Uh, evident in something like or, or in something like sorcery because it's all just text, mm. you know, linear text and with with options. But like, yeah, like um, objects, you know, with conditional stuff going on is totally what how sorcery works as well. Hmm. And uh, the eighty days. Uh, we should talk about the language stuff because that is yeah, yeah, I yeah. absolutely the love the cool. uh, deciphering the language and it's um, kind of the central thing. It's the thing the game is about. I almost wish it was just that, or because uh, we mentioned before, like it is a game that wants to do its own version of everything, like every possible aspect of just making a game. They've decided to do it differently to everyone else, yeah. and that's kind of admirable in a way. But the the language thing is where it absolutely works, and everything else I kind of wish was just a traditional point and click, and I just want to focus on the language stuff because um, it's what's weird about it is I am I completely I'm engrossed in it as a. Uh, as if it's an academic challenge, like as if I am a real linguist I'm trying to decipher the thing, but actually it's making huge um, cheats, basically, which yeah. is like the main one is you're looking at an ancient text and there's, there's three, uh, in some cases it will tell you that there are three words here. Uh, and for this word, here are the three possibilities it could be. So right away, it's just saying it's only one, it's one of these three words we know for sure. <laughs> and that's just a completely artificial piece of knowledge that just comes from nowhere and, and uh, uh, is instrumental in you deciphering anything. Um, and then you go through the sentence and you kind of, you realize, oh, I picked that, I picked A for the first one and, or I picked truth for the first one. And now I realize that doesn't make any sense with, with either of the other two options. So I've got to, uh, go back and change that. And then sometimes after you've sort of used the right word in the right place a few times, you just become sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> Your I like that. says, that's right. That like <laughs> I feel really <laughs> confident about this arbitrary thing I chose. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, you need, uh, they had to do something like that because you need some kind of certainty. Because obviously, if it was the just actually doing that, if it was yeah. the Oberdin, or Oberdin also has this kind of certainty, but in a different way. Um, but Oberdin, I spend a lot of that game where I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure of these nine things, but I haven't got all of the information to get the game to verify for, for me. So everything I do based on that is all fruit of the poison tree and could collapse at any time. Yeah. Uh, so I very much appreciate that they they made these concessions, and it's amazing that even though they did that, I still really feel like I'm deeply yeah. engrossing in the like not the fake challenge, but the real challenge of like what does there is a secret meaning to all these things there is a logic to this language and i feel like i'm uh this is a great trick to pull off in a game where i feel like i'm way ahead of what the game will acknowledge i know like it'll tell yeah, me right. you know what this word is but i'm like oh no i also know these five words that you think i'm not sure of, i'm a hundred percent sure of those. i know for sure that they are right um for reasons that are based on logical leaps i've made the game is not validated or returned to me in any way but i just get the logic like i can just see it oh this is like there's a kind of grammar to the to the individual like strokes in a thing and I, i'm a long way from understanding all well, of so, it because yeah, you're looking at hier hieroglyphs fundamentally yeah. like little characters and there are yeah. lots of different characters some of them are semi-pictorial and some of them are more abstract well you yeah. assume they are and that becomes part of your process right yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes it's some some of them are not and some of them are just you just yeah. have to figure out from from placement um but it's so interesting to have this uh i think it would all fall apart if it was a simple like letter substitution cipher or even if it was just like one word to one word 
but it's yeah. not there's a it's they break down words in a different way to the how our language does and grasping that kind of logic is really interesting because mm-hmm. there's there's symbols in that where i can kind of like over the course of looking at many different phrases that you or many different words that they're used in like i know for sure the mean, meaning of three different words that use this symbol inside the word somewhere but it doesn't play the same role as a letter does it has some kind of semantic meaning and there are some where i can like I do have a sense of the meaning, but I can't tell you what it is. It's something like sort of these three different concepts mixed together yeah. in some way. And that's really interesting. It's really lovely. Like it is, it is to like linguistics or archaeology or ancient linguistics or something. What like guitar hero is to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, and I mean that in a fun way. Like that is, you know, that is the, the appeal of it as a game is like it allows you to sort of sample what it feels like to be clever in this way. <laughs> and, um, and it's really, really successful. And like, I think it's really interesting, like, and that's what makes me want to to go back and and play more. I think my and that and actually, like, I am really, really, uh, it's tremendously like impressive to create something like that, like to build yeah. to build a puzzle into language is something that really appeals to me, and like, really love it. And I think and I think there are lots of qualities of its of its broader framing, um, or at least intentional decisions that you can discuss. You know, you can have a debate about whether they work for you. Um, but they are distracting, I think. And I, I wonder if, you know, I wonder what the parallel universe where this is a more straightforward, like, yeah, I want to play click or something. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, but with this for every. Right. Puzzle. The comparison I'd use is like, I think the language system and the deciphering stuff is as kind of both sort of elegant, but also as sort of interesting in terms of the possibilities it opens up for storytelling as like, um, her stories search system, you know, like in terms of like, yeah. it's actually, it's not, it is, it is, it's like, it's, it's similar in the sense that it's a hugely difficult thing to create, but really easy to get why it's cool and, and to engage with, right? Like mapping out her story's script so it works the way it does is yeah. incredibly difficult. Figuring out a language where you can have this kind of semantic puzzle, um, also really, really complicated and really impressive to pull off. In her story's case, obviously that you can go play Minesweeper or whatever it is, or Solitaire in the desktop, but like, there's no distractions. It's just that mechanic. Um, this, um, does other game things. Yeah, well, it, it wants you to, like, part of its yeah. its vision is you want to explore worlds. It wants you to discover inscriptions on a well, you know, like, which yeah. where you have to actually go to that location. And, and that's what gives me pause because, like, you know, I, was, I mean, I'm not very far in, I'm an hour in, but I already had an instance where I was walking along and I found a thing in the undergrowth and I looked at it and it was another opportunity to do translation, which is what I'm enjoying doing. And it gave, and then immediately afterwards, my, you know, the companion, the little robot said, like, are you ready to leave? And I was like, no, because now as a 3D exploration game, which isn't particularly like fun to run around in or anything like that, it's not, that's not its purpose has made me anxious that I'm missing things. Yeah. <laughs> it's I given, it's given me the, there are objects to find fear. So I've, I think I might have, um, had less of that fear because I watched this talk by John Ingold about how it works and his whole thing is like, this condition system, the reason they did it is they didn't want you to be stuck in one place for too long. And if you, if you leave before you found everything, they'll just find a way to give you that stuff later in some other way. Interestingly, that's when the robot said that to me. I did find that consoling. Like it was a game saying but, it's okay. Like for me, don't. it also backfired that system backfired because, um, I was on like, uh, a location that was just, it was full of stuff. And I just was finding really like not just kind of. There are, there are sometimes you can tell it's a proc gen item. You found like, oh, there's something here. It's a page from a thing and it has an inscription and you can tell it's, that's just been placed there. Um, 
uh, to make sure I found something. But there's also in this location specific really stuff that's closely tied to the environment and obviously handcrafted. Uh, and I found like three of those things. I think even after I found the second one, the robot was like, do you want to leave yet? And I'm like, no, no, no I want to keep looking. And I found the third one. He's like, okay, we found three really useful items here. We should go back and report our findings. And I was right next. I was actually, it was really late at night and I was kind of half tempted by what he said, but just oh, no, there's like, I haven't explored half this place. Um, and I left it there for the night and I came back today and, uh, I went, I said, no, I'm going to stick around still. And I, I went the other route. The other route is just like the fucking answer to the whole fucking mystery is right there. Like the whole thing you've been sent to understand. We were standing right next to it, like looking at it. And the robot was like, we should go home. Like he's not even saying, do you want to go home? He's just like, oh, we're done here. It's fine. We have three things. There's no further thing. That giant glowing thing, nothing. I don't think there's anything. I think we should leave. <laughs> And it's like, even when you're looking around, the robot's like, oh my God, this solves everything. <laughs> yeah, I find that kind of like, because you saying that makes me less nervous about it. Because obviously you can build a system like this to account so that players don't have to worry about this. But if players have played other games like this, yeah, they will worry. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's not like Mass Effect, but Mass Effect punishes you for not investigating every area and not giving yourself every option to succeed. Like, you know, that is how a lot of narrative games work. And it's... You know, it almost, it's like, it, that's the question of like, how do you train players out of behavior they're really used to and expectations mm. they're really, really used to. And you almost need that disclaimer to flash up at the start and say, it's okay. Follow the thread. There's no missing out or something like that. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you do that without basically saying, please free, feel free to stop exploring when you want to stop exploring or, you know, something like yeah. that. Like, I mean, there is, there is definitely handcrafted stuff and it's, um, that's good stuff. Like in that, location a lot of the things i found just were given their meaning by the context it was like the fact that this was scrawled by a bed meant something yeah and even like i knew that before i started translating it then when i translated it, i was like oh that's even give it like a sinister edge um and that's my favorite stuff definitely there's been some frustrating things which i this is less frustrating because i know um that i will whatever information i missed i'll get it some other way but there was a chest and it said, uh, my options are like, read the lid or try to open it. And I tried to open it because I was really curious about what was inside, thinking, I'll read the lid later. And opened it. There was something major inside, a huge story thing and loads of discussion about that. And then afterwards, you close the lid, but you can't read the lid anymore. There's no usable thing on it. So whatever that inscription was, I'm not allowed to read it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I remember uh, Chris Donlan review, he was sort of interpreted this, the way that the game sort of, pushes you forward like the way that like your walk onwards without having apparently made a choice yep. or you know that you can't go back and read the lid and things is sort of another commentary on the flow of time and you know <laughs> that's like, generous i think <laughs> sometimes <laughs> i, I have just fuck up sometimes i've just walked to greg's and i don't know how I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how i got there uh yeah <laughs> There's no shadow of yourself behind. <laughs> what do you think about the um the the, the sailing bit? Does that get? I hate it. <laughs> it does. Uh, that is the bit for me that really is not feeling good. I just right wish now. it wasn't interactive. I wish it was like I plot my course on the map. You yeah. know where I'm going. Let me just watch a nice thing. And you, listen to the. There nice is music no. There's no fast travel there's, later on. Then I'm not that I've got encountered. Oh it's, Jesus Christ! It went took so, so long to before. You know, space travel is a matter of like you know uh, essentially like. Uh, whitewater space rafting, um, between, um, awkward nodes right. or awkward, <laughs> awkward rafting. Um, it's, 
I, man. They've got to do everything their own way. They're like, space travel, going from point A to point B. How are we going to do that? But you're right, it does Magic, sound, it twisting does feel 3D a bit like rivers. a sort of PlayStation 2 kind it's, of minigame. <laughs> it, it's got a sort of, um, like, kind of, yeah. I feel like, this is the thing, like, I'm trying to, the reason I'm hesitant is because I don't want to call it, like, an outright failure. Because I think, obviously, aesthetically, hmm. like, and it, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess. Like, aesthetically, the game's really lovely. And the design of the boat is kind of lovely. And the idea of, like, rivers of space, water, linking, planetoids is a and nice the, one. Yeah, the, and the navigating to places is a, yeah. is, a, is a nice solid one. But there's, there's, there's a bunch of things that don't quite sit right with me. One is that, like, you know, uh, there's a bit very, very early in the game, I think it's the first time you do this, you sort of approach, like, a farm moon, basically. And you're told, like, you know, look, you can see the, you know, there it is, like, up ahead. And you can't see it. Like, <laughs> the, things, yeah. the things you're going to are not actually there. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a weird decision. And, and, and again, yeah. with something like this, where so many intentional, unusual decisions have been made, I'm really reluctant to go, this is a mistake. Uh, I'm very willing for someone to explain to me what I am missing about why it is that way. But it can be strange, like, to have your characters pop up in the, in the speech bubbles and say, you know, look, a, a, like a rocky moon, and you can't see one, and then it fades to black, and then you're there you know there's a sort of like so it's, it's it's very strange and then the you control i'm playing all the pads so it's like the triggers to like again like it's right. his own thing like you, i keep trying yeah. to use the joystick yeah you don't use yeah. analog stick to steer you use the, the two triggers and a, a, a to and like during the journey it. i will forget that again like i'll be i'll go off course a little bit and i'll try and correct with the left stick while <laughs> holding the right trigger and stuff yeah, my <laughs> only thought is that it's for like you know, like a, on an iPad or something, like maybe tilting it or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Is like, it on iOS now? Oh, please don't be tilting. It must be. Like that would be the <laughs> I, reason. I, I, it's not out yet. But or I'd maybe or just touching either side it, of the yeah. screen or something to kind of bank each way. Yeah. But like, it feels like, it feels like a sort of like, I don't know, like, like a Diddy Kong racing ice level. <laughs> like it Diddy has. Diddy Kong that, racing is kind of better. Diddy Kong racing is amazing. So I really shouldn't have gone there. That's but like, a bit rude actually. <laughs> yeah. Diddy Kong's vault. Um, but like, it's all like the, the, you know, like, like the, 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 like the, the bobsledding bit in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a naughty's James Bond game. It's, it's the cool runnings game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I think if you take away all of the, 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 the wonderful music and, and the sort of evocative writing and, and the sort of the big sort of creative decisions that have been made in the moment, that's what you've got the skeleton of. You know what I mean? Like the, the white box version of this is that, and that's not great. Mm. So I don't know why it is like this. I had, before I say this, I'll stress again, I love the language game and I'm very yeah, happy. Right. I, I bought this game and uh, I'm, I will continue to play it just for the language game, um, if nothing else. The story stuff I was, I was into and then it just fucking oh, broke dear. me really? <laughs> with a infuriating case of railroading where I was pushed into, I had to say a thing I really didn't want to say and that makes no sense. And, um, so I'll keep keep this free of spoiler specifics. Um, but uh, reporting to somebody who has been kind to me, that's all I know about them really, is they've been kind to me, um, to give them the information that they asked for. Uh, I had three options to say. Uh, one of them was, um, uh, she says, oh, I'm not sure if I want to hear what you, what you have to say. And one of the options is, well, I'll tell you. And if you choose that, your only option after that is to lie to her in a way that is extremely hurtful, like pointless, and you're standing right next to somebody who not only can tell them the truth, but has in advance told you, I will tell this person the truth. There is no way you can ever get away with this lie. You know that, and it's hurtful, and I can't see a reason to do it. And it's just, 
insane. I can't understand why this option is even an option, let alone the only thing you can say if you say, I'm going to tell you what you asked yeah. for. It's absolutely baffling. And I was just seeing this choice. I would like, because there are some conversations that are time limited, I just sat there for five minutes waiting to see if this choice would ever fade away. Cause I'm like, I will not say this. And then <laughs> the next thing I tried was Alt F4, the game, to see if I can lose some of my progress so I can go back and see if there's any other choice I could have made that would get me out of this. Nope. It's auto saved on that. Oh shit. Mono really? choice thing. The thing. game has no manual saves, no way to get back to any previous checkpoint. So you're stuck on that forever. So in the end, I have to say it. And then you get caught for lying and then it has consequences. And I'm just so fucking, like, I was angry enough that I couldn't carry on playing. And I was angry enough that when I stopped playing, I also couldn't go back to work like, for half an hour. <laughs> I was just fuming about this. I was so like, because I got invested and then it was just absolutely fucked me on it. It was just, I have to destroy the only relationship I cared about in this for no reason that I can understand. It's bizarre. Mm. And it's got to be a consequence of that weird condition system, I'm sure. Well, it might be that or it might be that before this... amount of characterization that it, it's determined to have for your character. Like, I've been caught... I feel like... I know this has been an issue for you as well, Chris, mm. where the, the char- my character is saying asshole things that I really didn't mean to say. <laughs> well, and this was the root of my the reason that I had that disconnect between the narration and my character at first, because yeah. I, I sort of like, oh, I am this person. I guess I'm quite sort of you know diplomatic and sort of professional i guess and that was well, yeah she's because she's meant to be like this sort of um like a science like a scientist right archaeologist and you have serious those, you have those choices but yeah. then there are aspects of the character that come out where no you know and that's fine because it's an interesting to explore the character but sure it can make you feel like you're not sure whether your job is to role play the character mm. or to uh imprint yourself on the character yeah and that that is the old school mass effect you know versus yeah. dragon age one kind of dichotomy but it's it's, it's not quite clear where you're going with this. And I think having the third layer of having the player, the character voiced in a way you don't control is, um, I think that, that, that is what is, uh, strange about it for me is that, you know, you choose everything she says within this context, but not in this other context right, right, where right. she sounds, you know, where she is realized in a much more kind of human way. I and think some of it's just like of, something, some of it's like, uh, like Inkle very sp- bear with um dialogue yeah. and you know sort of the live dialogue like that is happening that you're choosing from and i really admire it i think mm, that in in the in the grand grand main of it it's incredibly elegantly short like it just reminds me of the, the amount of kind of fiction text-based fiction games where you're spending ages waiting for people to stop talking you know mm. what they're trying to say and what they're trying like Ingle just like it's the most perfectly chosen three words which do ex- it yes you know? right yeah yeah but then i think when that then is transposed into a slightly more character driven less choice driven section like like the over, you know, the voiceover bits. Like, I think maybe, maybe there's some division between that, but I totally accept what you're saying. About, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I think I was maybe playing it initially as like, don't be mean, don't be mean, don't be mean, don't be mean. <laughs> and like to the robot. And then eventually you get to the point where you can't not really. I was kind of okay with being nasty to the robot from the start. <laughs> the robot has been a dick to me. I've been very nice to him and he's just literally racist. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And then That's I, good, though, I, didn't even, like, I haven't even had a shade of that. He basically said some shit about my race. And then I, Fuck. one of my responsibilities was to say, Hey, I am that race, actually. And not even actually, just I am that race. And, uh, he said, I'll bear that in mind. And that was it. And then he started chewing me out for being snippy with him, saying, Oh, I've detected that actually you're being short with me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> Robot is an asshole. <laughs> Incidentally, the, 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 it's very early, so it's not a spoiler, but the notion of, uh, robots that people just find in the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, of an old, like, you know, buried in concrete in yeah. an old planet is a wonderful bit of translation <laughs> writing. Like, I really, really like it. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the sort of thing that is, that in the translation is what's keeping me going. And actually that stuff, the incidental stuff, the little details is what is making the exploration stuff kind of work, I think. Cause the question I was going to have is like, cause there's a way in which it feels like a bunch of like slightly not fully realized, uh, environments and mini games even with the travel. Um, attached to a fundamentally really good and really elegant system, right? The like, it's a very different story to her story, but that's what, you know, to go back to that comparison, her story is notable for not distracting you in that way or not requiring you to do some other task to get back to the thing you want to be doing. Um, and I'm still not sure that this wouldn't be better if it didn't get you back to the, either the talking to people or the, uh, deciphering as fast as it can every mm. time. Um, but yeah, so that sentence is just sort of like, um, ended in a question mark. It's amazing. <laughs> um, cause I feel like adventure games, uh, always had so much going for them in terms of story and art and, and all the surrounding stuff. And then the puzzles were the thing that kind of, yeah, they, for yeah. a certain audience, they were absolutely fine and they loved them. But, uh, for everyone else, they were incredibly frustrating and obtuse and made no sense. And this game potentially solves that problem in that, like, they found a mechanic, uh, as her story did and as Oberdin did, where, uh, this mechanic will sustain a whole game. You can just, yeah. it, they can keep reusing it and it'll never get old and it'll always be interesting and always be developing and progressing. And that's amazing. Um, I think it, this one in particular works, or at least it, it can better serve as the backbone for an adventure game than her story or, or Oberdin, which are both, uh, her story is just the mechanic and nothing else. It's just you search for the thing and you watch some videos and that's it. Um, which is, you know, it just, it's a, it's its own kind of game. It is mm. not like Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And Oberdin is more of an adventure game, but it's, um, again, it's all the mechanic and nothing else. There, are, it wouldn't make sense if you were walking around talking to people and having dialogue trees and hopping around the globe and all this stuff. Um, it has to be just about that. Whereas this feels like it can fit within the, the rest of the, the stuff that an adventure game has. And so, it's a bit of a shame that it, I feel like they wanted to change everything else about the adventure game as well. And most of the other things they changed, I don't like as much as just the standard way of doing it. Yeah, right. You probably don't need to go to bargaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes for everything. You know, life. <laughs> there you go. That's the lesson. That's the translation of this text. <laughs> what else have you been playing, Tom? Uh, I dipped into Risk of Rain 2 Ooh. a bit. Man, that game has done well. I, like, I saw their blog post when, like, a little while after launch where they said, like, at the start of the blog post was just, holy moly. And, uh, <laughs> like, they were obviously saying it had done well. And a little while later I saw it sold 500,000 copies. <laughs> like, Jesus, Jesus fucking Jesus Christ. Crazy. That's in early access in, like, two weeks or something. Mm. And it has something like 10,000 user reviews on Steam. Sekiro has 16,000. <laughs> so, Dang, it's gonna well, do, take Sekiro before launch, certainly. Um, so that, I, I didn't have a sense that Risk of Rain 1 was this big, but maybe it was. It was quietly quite big and, yeah, yeah. But, so Risk of Rain 2 is the 3D one, um, it's first person, and I didn't like it at first because 
I don't know if this is more so than the original or if it just shows more in first person, but it was just constant shooting. It was just like, there was no reason to ever take your finger off the trigger. You just, you'll always need to be shooting everything all the time. Most, uh, well, no, not most, but like a big chunk of the enemies are flying. And so it was just, I was playing on gamepad as well, which is not the ideal way to do it. Um, I wanted, like Risk of Rain to me was not too stressful an experience, even though it does like mount up over time and get chaotic. It was kind of an easy game to play on gamepad and sit back and kind of chill with. Um, and in first person, it was not feeling like that. It was feeling like, oh my God, I just have to be a hundred percent of the time doing precise aiming against aerial enemies with no break. And I would find like shrines and shops and stuff that would, that had stuff, even with all my risk of rain one experience, I still didn't know what they did. And like, I'd forgotten most of the rules and, um, finding that out while people are shooting at you was no fun at all. Um, and then I came back to it more recently and, um, I think just got over that hump a bit. Just got, I just got way better at shooting things with a gamepad and, uh, it just started to find it way easier and, um, had a run where, uh, there's like, uh, what I actually, the reason I went back to it was because I don't really like the main, the starting character and Risk of Rain is all about unlocking characters. There's something like 12 of them, like a huge number in total. Um, and, but I didn't know how you even go about them. It'd been long enough that I played the first one. That I didn't remember how it worked in that game. Um, so I think I just looked up a guide, like at the time I first played, there weren't any guides and now there are. Um, and there's one that's just like complete the first stage five times and then you'll get the next character. And I thought, okay, I can do that. But then it also mentioned the Huntress, which is like one of the best characters. Uh, that's a little bit trickier to unlock. You have to complete six, like five stages in a row or six stages in a row. Um, and then I just, when I played with the mercenary, it was just, oh, sorry, the commando. Uh, it was just like, his ability is just like, shoot twice, shoot but through things, shoot a lot in a short space of time, or do a forward roll. <laughs> Those are his four abilities. That's the class concept. Uh, Which is so, pretty much the same as it was in Risk Yeah, Rain 1, I didn't actually like him in Risk of Rain 1 either. Um, and I don't know why, maybe I just unlocked characters faster in Risk of Rain 1 or whatever, but anyway. Um, I played the same again, and uh, on easy mode, and I, ju- I think I just got the right relics early enough. I got like a relic that just made all my shots explode. Just every attack I do explodes. And suddenly, as soon as there's splash damage, like that's what a risk of rain is all about. Is it's just about like, how do I get this horrible horde of enemies chasing me all into one place so that my one attack hits them all at once and then it becomes super efficient and I can uh, farm them in this really gratifying way. And just getting that relic early enough just meant that that, that was the case all the time. I could always find really uh, neat ways to efficiently take out groups of enemies. And then the relics are insane. I hadn't unlocked many, so I was just finding the same ones over and over again. But now they're all like on your 3D character. So like. Yeah, I didn't realize that. You That's find the, the soldier syringe that increases your attack speed. He just <laughs> sticks like five syringes in his thigh and they're just sticking out of your thigh for the rest of the game. <laughs> you wear glasses, you, find, like, you wear glasses. Yeah, you have like a necklace and uh, a banjo on your back. <laughs> uh, the banjo gives you chain lightning for some reason. I'm not totally sure what the <laughs> logic is there. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Um, and I've got like three drones. Two of them heal me. The other one shoots things. My, uh, my brain just went to banjo on chain lightning. Oh, uh, sorry. It's, <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> but I fucked it up because it's actually a ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when you find it, it just says, and his music was electric. I don't know if that's a reference to something that I don't get. But anyway, it makes, when you, I think it's when you shoot an enemy, like a lightning thing goes to the next enemy. Um, and yeah i had a really good run it was a good enough run that when six missions in i could not find the teleporter that you need to exit the level is it it's got this thing where like when you find the teleporter you don't necessarily want to leave right away the difficulty is escalating over time so it's not about 
um, getting to the exit as quickly as possible. It's more about like, have you found all the good stuff in this level? You know, have you got the items and gone to the shops and that kind of stuff? Um, but this level, I just, I've been playing it a while. I hadn't found it. Uh, and then I still couldn't find it. And then after like 10 minutes of looking, I still couldn't find it. And then after 20 minutes of looking, I still couldn't find it. And I'm just going around a circle and it, the game was, I'd found good enough relics and I was playing on easy mode that it, there was basically no challenge to it. And the difficulty is escalating over time. Like I say, it's not by level. And it got up to the difficulty of ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that's, I think that's the last difficulty because it's just ha, 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 as far as the eye can see. Like <laughs> Which on is the scrolling, bar. isn't it? The ha, ha yeah, is yeah. scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes on forever. Um, but it still wasn't too much of a problem. I just couldn't find the fucking teleport for literally 30 minutes. I was looking at this teleport for 30 fucking minutes. When I finally found it, it was just, it's this dark circle on the ground. People tell me there's fireflies above it, but I've never spotted it by that method. And I've looked for the fireflies and I've, it's never been useful. Um, cause there is it was a dark patch on the ground. Actually. It was clipping through some of the scenery cause it's randomly <laughs> placed. And then there was like a dark fence in front of it. So from like, you know, 160 degrees, you wouldn't see the teleporter cause there's this fence in front of it, which is dark itself. And so that would explain the dark thing you're seeing. And then from the other 60 degrees, you can just about see it, I guess. Wait, I don't think his numbers added up, but whatever. <laughs> there is an item that, that, that gives you kind of awareness of it or the. I think I interest. must have not unlocked that because I was finding so many relics that I had like oh, sure. five like, copies of everything I owned. But the game can't be based on you having found like one, one of the relics. Like it's just. Well, I wouldn't mind if it was, was one the, of the starting relics, like one of the ones that you can yeah. get without having to unlock it, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a standard set, and I just... But it is the problem. One fucking but thing, it seems that that relic is designed to solve the big problem with 3D worlds, where like things are fucking hard to yeah. find. Yeah, like it was sometimes a challenge in Risker 1 to find where the teleport was. I remember having some cases where I'm like, oh, I don't know where it is, and I would like to go there now. But it, like, you know, maybe five minutes to look for it, not 30. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I actually have an update on my uh, Heaven's Vault problem because John, I bitched about it on Twitter, which is my solution to all problems. <laughs> and uh, John Ingold from Inkle replied to say that, uh, he says, Tom's thing looks like a bug to me. There are about 300,000 lines, so there will be some. That's so, reasonable. Yeah. So to clarify, it's- we're recording this having taken a little break where Thomas had time to check his phone <laughs> to find out that his ire, which was only minutes ago for you, um, uh, was not misplaced but possibly not intentional. Uh, yeah, completely valid, I, I would say. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, with, sorry. With a different uh, cause. Perhaps. No, I'm, yes, it's, you know what I mean. Like, the, the cause of it was not yeah. intentional. Yeah, it's weird, because, like, dialogue choices, you know, they're so authored by definition, and it doesn't feel like... I, I You know, even knowing all this back-end stuff that I do know about um, how Evans Vault works, still felt like a railroading it still felt like you know i made this choice one step ago and therefore i'm locked into this other choice that makes no sense to me Hmm. but nonetheless we can done our diligence (laughs) (laughs) yep can move on with our lives to questions from questions yes no one's ever asked me (laughs) (laughs) this has made your week oh it's a wonderful feeling (laughs) yes i can do questions tom thank you for asking excellent do you need a sip of whiskey? Because my voice is going at a really opportune <laughs> moment. <clears throat> Our first question, and I appreciate it because we missed a week of podcasts. Um, we're obviously, you know, catching up, so we don't have time to read everything. Um, but we did have two that I, I definitely wanted to read um, because they helped me solve a problem with my life. <laughs> um, first one comes from Jacob, and he writes... 
if you wanted a Sonk Hedge uh, knuckle tattoo... <laughs> and we do. And we do. ...that maps perfectly to your hand hinges, <laughs> you could get, and as in ensign, and canoe culls... <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds across, good. Across both of your hands. Hashtag gamers would get the reference, while everyone else would probably think it was some kind of self-aware hipster pseudo-commentary thing, <laughs> as if I would be capable of that. Either way, they'd probably think you were a prick, and they'd probably be right. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. I deserve every bit now of Now I this. want, like, hand on one hand and hinge on the other. <laughs> hand hinge. <Yeah. laughs> it could be a J. Yeah. <laughs> That is my that is my favourite Scandi electronic band, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. Um, uh, to add in a question, which PC games character would you like to see in or added or condemned to a live action or animated family movie? Robots, 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 robots like Atlas and Peabody from Portal Two are cheating as they're too easy to make not horrifying. My own pitch is that after spelling out Baba is real, the little sheep thing appears in LA, New York, or small-town America and causes hijinks with its ability to alter the laws of reality. Some corporation or shady government probably wants to capture Baba to take advantage of this power. And you know how these kinds of films go. Make sure to send me a cut when Hollywood inevitably options your answers. (laughs) Jacob, I would actually genuinely watch the Baba is real movie. (laughs) Good title too. Yeah. Writes itself. I think I think it would be a film with uh, Kano from um, Mortal Kombat uh, as Mortal. he settles down. He wins the wins the prize. Decides which, Kano's which? the one with the kind of uh, mostly robot face. He's like uh, a punchy yeah. man with a most. He has glowing. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, he's 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 drawn as a bit of a you know not a hero in the game. But what if he won that competition? The Mortal Kombat competition. Yeah. <laughs> I know which one. that big competition, you think. <laughs> Tekken. Not the Batman decides, competition. Decides to parallel. invest his prize money in settling down in, let's say, Midwest America, because that's where they're all set. Um, yeah. And has to bring up a family. He finds it rather more difficult than <laughs> even the, uh, the fighting what he does. Punching before. everybody. Uh, could you remind me, the question is, video game characters in what kind of? Uh, in, uh, I need to sure. scroll up, thanks. Family, is it friendly. Animated or live, animated. Live, live action? action or animated family movie. Uh, live yeah, action or animated. Movie, family movie. I'm uh, thinking mine would be live action. My yeah. favorite film. I feel like, uh, cause he, he also says like the robots are cheating cause they'd be too, they wouldn't be horrific. Yeah. That makes me think live action, um, I was thinking like plants versus zombies. Most of the plants would be fucking horrific if they were real. Yeah. Like even just the, the walnut. zombies would probably be fairly horrific as well. Yeah. So, I mean, zombies, but we're used to that. Whereas a walnut, like if you try to do like a realistic fleshy walnut that, that cries as it just gets damaged, <laughs> that would be fucking terrifying. I think I'd I also, like, yeah, go on. I wonder about Rayman. <laughs> we all be wondering about Rayman. <laughs> Often in quiet moments in life, I wonder about Rayman. <laughs> In the movie, how his hands are attached to his body. Everybody hates Rayman. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to- <laughs> Ray, Rayman. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about a, a family movie where, I don't know, like the helicopter pilot from Deus Ex or someone you only think about every now and then. Is that Jock? Yeah. Yeah. He just has to go home to his family in like Minneapolis or something and like <laughs> explain half of the things that have happened to him and that they don't believe him. 
But in doing so, he kind of discovers something about himself, which is that the real stories are made with your kids, not in a helicopter. <laughs> His apartment is in Hong Kong. <laughs> Sorry for that extra. Oh, this is this is uh, 279 episodes, and Tom just corrected me on a law thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if it's their sex, it's my turf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, well, there's any number of kind of, you know, like uh, uh, soldiers from the, in games with very high body counts that do survive your onslaught and go home <laughs> and every, you know they're not given up here as well yeah, yeah. nobody knows what they did yeah right maybe like just a you know a procedurally generated you know sort of frankish lord from crusader kings gets a new job as an ad executive what happens there i don't know <laughs> it's I'm up, to, the, it's like, that's up to hollywood to yes yeah, you know but option it and then we'll talk <laughs> oh god Splunky guy would be horrific in real life because of his nose. In, 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 in Indiana Jones. Because of his nose. <laughs> he has a giant red nose. Have you noticed this? <laughs> yeah. Alcoholic Indiana Jones. <laughs> That's like clown shit. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, so the next question um, also helps me answer a very important question. Uh, uh, Dan writes, Dear Hedge and Sonk Bar... <laughs> Doubling up on each finger slash knuckle would allow you to perfectly fit the following tattoo across both hands. Sonic the Hedg Ahog. I have a Swedish counterpart. That's yeah, what I'm exactly. talking about. My other favourite Scandi electronic <laughs> uh, What's the goal on Patreon for Chris to make this reality? Uh... <laughs> I'm about to raise a number and I thought, oh dear. Go back us for 20 knuckles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, or hand hinges. Uh, yeah, it, it, enough for Tom to buy the Sonic Hedgehog license and then <laughs> have to make that game. <laughs> um, actual question. Uh, Sekiro goes to great lengths through dialogue, item and skill descriptions to explain how unpleasant the healing gourd juice tastes. What are the tastiest health pickups out there and what are the worst? Arguably, you don't eat them, but the fairies in Zelda have a real strawberry nest quick look to them. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Do you know what? In Diablo 1, and maybe subsequent Diablos, there is, there's there's health potions, there's mana potions. I'm sure health potions are pretty good tasting. Yeah. Um, but there is, in particular, a potion of rejuvenation, which restored both mana and health. And it was bright yellow, like it was really glowing yellow. I always imagine that tastes delicious. Mm. I always imagine that the um, the health charges or the shield charges, not the shield charges in, in the suit charges in Half Life, were just full of iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> what well, so? Hmm. What was the noise? Because there's two different noises. There's one for the medicine one and one for the. the, power the, the one, right? I think the medicine one is the sort so of extreme. And the other one's more like yeah, a sort wow, of like wow, an electronic, wow. ne- yeah, and the, yeah. electric note. Wow. Um, Do the power one again. <laughs> The power one, I think, is sort of like, it's got like a kind of, like, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were at, like Nando's or something and the automatic, the, the, the infinite refill machine made that sound? That'd be very good. There's something, I, I like the, the way that the sounds make it 
taste in uh, like Bioshock and things when you eat yeah. like the stuff out of bins and stuff. Oh yeah, like it it like feels bin food. It feels good. It sounds good that you're eating this stuff, mm, yeah. but it's not good. It's not good. No, it's not good. Eating an apple is always good in in those games because it's a pretty good noise. Yeah. yeah, like the um the the green health orbs in Devil May Cry Five have got a real like apple Fanta kind of vibe <laughs> to them. They're tangy. I don't know why they're tangy. Mm, tangy. I like a lot of health pickups would taste tangy. Why I think that. And then there's the Doom pit health pickups, which are basically massive boxes. Yeah. Grey boxes. And obviously yeah, they, they're meant they, to they, have they, they medical like equipment in them. <laughs> yeah, very Savalon. Wintergreen. And yeah. kind of, yeah. Like, you just, you have too many of them. It wouldn't be tasty. I don't think you eat them, do you? No. <laughs> I'm assuming with the, the whole medical symbol. Know, you, you absorb them into your body, don't apply you? Apply them. It's quick, I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Uh, Wolfenstein 3D, of course, was chicken yeah, dinners. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah. But you ate whole. The plate was gone as well. And just <laughs> there was the dog food as well. No. Oh, yeah. Did that restore less health? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a little, Does uh... it? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're shot, you're not eating dog food for it. Like, that's why doctors don't prescribe dog food. For they don't prescribe rooms. a full chicken. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you guys I don't right, know. Doctor. <laughs> Like well, private healthcare, often they do. Yeah. <laughs> no, they need to give them the tangy juice. That's what fixes it. <laughs> Here is a potion of rejuvenation from Diablo 1. It's 2D, but <laughs> still quite refreshing. Uh, Ilya writes, uh, Dear Crabs and Croissants, Chris has previously mentioned on the podcast that the moment in which a game or film presents him with multiple spaceships exiting warp is a moment so delicious that it will make the rest of the film slash game worth it. Similarly, when I watched the Han Solo film, I knew my £14 was well spent when a sleek black spaceship hovered near a rugged, deserty coastline. What specific types of moments in games, visual spectacle or otherwise, have made the rest of the game worth it and make you think, mmm, tasty? Keep the flutes tootin', Ilya. I do love a good zoom out for a map. Mm. Like, you you hit the map button, or maybe it's in a cutscene or something, but yeah. it just pans out from, like, your current position to see the whole world, but in a seamless way that makes you feel like, okay, this really is all here. Yeah, it's very big. Do you get that from the timeline in Heaven's Fault? No, I've, I find it fiddly because it, it hides things that are sort of obviously, you know, there's a yeah. million different things happening in one node at a certain view. And so I just don't really know where things are. Like I'll, I'll be scrolling through and there's nothing there, but actually if I zoom in, there is secretly something there. And so I don't feel like I have that overview. Like it doesn't really tell me hmm. where everything is. Yeah. Is the, uh, lens flare effect or the kind of and also the launching effect from space stations in No Man's Sky which I always rather mm. like actually now that you mention it, to it I don't know what it is exactly but Mass Effect has something that just like I could see just one scene from that game and be like oh yeah I definitely want to play this <laughs> like, is it because every every surface every spaceship has the J.J. Abrams kind of the, one, the lights the horizontal yeah. it's the lens flare and then the, the, the music as well I don't know if it, audio stuff can count for this but I like, think it can yeah yeah that that Bridge music in Mass Effect. Um, it's not a spaceship exiting warp without a thump. No. You know? Um, yeah, in movies, I love uh, city flyovers, like particularly cities at night. It's like a flyover yeah. shot of a city at night. I'm just like, I don't care what the fuck happens in the next office that we see. Like, I'm there for it now. Oh, God. <laughs> so we've got, we've got an Apple TV and it's got a screensaver and it sort of quietly downloads these new screensavers all the time. And they are these very slow flyovers of cities oh, wow. so they like it, it it did a lot of dubai a lot of new york a lot of london oh that sounds great really like at night oh, hong kong oh my god i've just probably watched more of them than we have 
Yeah, I television. Content. <laughs> My whole taste of movies is like not so much about the artistic intent and more about like, is there a city on screen? <laughs> and is there some forest on screen? And then, uh, is there a nice looking office? <laughs> have you ever watched, um, Koyana's Katsi, Tom? I don't no, think I, I have actually. No, I know how to spell it though. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen it, uh, live, performed live with an orchestra. I was oh, yeah. the cinema screen behind the orchestra huh. and it was fucking great. I mean, I've seen like, you know, clips of it. Yeah, know what it is. You kind of need the whole sort of. How long is it? I can't remember. I went outside of time for a while. You were, yeah, you were kind of. Yeah, I took arts. a friend. It was at, it was at the Edinburgh Arts Festival like years and years ago. I took a friend. It was really good. I can imagine in a sort of live scenario, like losing track of time. I'm bad when sitting at home looking at a screen. And yeah, I'm, I'm not very good at losing track of time. It's like, <laughs> like, it's like a really lean, conscious. It's of, a lean back five chair, big screen sort yeah. of thing. It's a show, you know. But yeah, I took a friend who had no idea what, what we were going to. And that was a really good experience. Like, this is, it, what is it? It's just sort of time and music and honking. <laughs> <laughs> the three elements of life. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously this has been answered for me. Spaceships going thump. Also, uh, shout out to, uh, Heroic Last Stands. They just get me hmm. every time, basically. Uh, and also getting the band back together. And so anything that combines oh, yeah. those three things, like we're getting the band back together for a heroic last stand in space. <laughs> also, the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, uh, does very well with Team Chris. I really love, um, in Return of the Jedi, they go down to a planet, possibly Endor, to take out shield generator. Yeah, that's Endor. In the forest. The forest moon event, and, technically. And, uh, <laughs> oh, in Endor- my territory now, Tom. Okay, we're Jock Lives. This is Endor. <laughs> Uh, is Endor the planet and the, mor- the, the moon's are- the moon? Te- no, no, Endor's the planet. Technically, it's the sanctuary moon, but that okay. seems to get remixed. All what do you mean it's a sanctuary moon? That's what they refer to it as in the movie. What is a sanctuary moon? Uh, I, I don't. It's a Star Wars thing. I don't know. Well, we go hide on the moon. It's, no, I mean it's like it's, it's like, protected. You can't kill the Ewoks there. Please, please, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like a it's a national nature park. reserve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was just something about them taking out that building that, like, that was what ignited my Star Wars. Like, you know, the, like the, the yeah. magic of Star Wars, I think, is not so much what's happening on screen. It's like what you imagine could happen elsewhere in this universe and what yeah. you could do in this universe. And like, is it because someone be sets like timed charges? Yeah. Just like thing. dropping down to a planet and taking out a shield generator is in a forest. That's, that's my fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> it's an out. Yeah. It's a combination of outpost mission. Yeah. And <laughs> space thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh boy, th- certain things experienced aged eight basically determine <laughs> entire lives. <laughs> and it's mostly Star Wars. Uh, Kane writes, hello. People who don't understand anything are playing the early access release of Satisfactory, a new game in the life ruining time sync genre made popular by life ruining time sinks like Factorio. And they're offering their advice to the developers across every available communication medium. Advice in the form, I found a bug in Satisfactory. It doesn't do this thing that Factorio does. Or bug report. Mechanic works slightly differently than it does in Factorio. Or you should remove this thing from Satisfactory because Factorio doesn't have it. So it's clearly not necessary. In all cases, the poster provides their impressive and infinitely relevant credentials. I've played a thousand hours of Factorio. Clearly then, they have much to teach Satisfactory's designers. How can we stop people? (laughs) From playing one game in a genre and then deciding that every future game that looks even remotely similar to it has to be made identical to it. Follow-up question. How can we stop people from making time-ruining time sinks like Satisfactory (laughs) and Factorio? They're like productivity methadone. 
giving you the narcotic feeling of doing work without you actually achieving anything of value. As a programmer with ADHD and a compulsive personality, it feels like a direct and personal attack. Regards, uh, Kane, who also includes a picture of his very good belt. (laughs) (laughs) A a satisfactory belt. A very satisfactory belt (laughs) array. More than satisfactory. Um, well, you know, like there's one very, very simple solution to this. Only one Factorio should ever be made. Factorio, and, and then the, <laughs> the, the, the shutters are put down on the genre, and <laughs> it can never closed. be <laughs> move along. <laughs> yeah, see it. <laughs> but is that not what uh, these uh, fans are attempting to achieve? Yes, hmm. and let <laughs> them stay on the little island. Oh, wow, and stuck there. <laughs> see, I was wondering if we were perhaps a little bit guilty of this earlier when we were saying that. You know, because Heaven's Vault has so many of its own ideas that you feel mm. a bit at sea and, you know, you want the familiarity of the thing you know. Um, I don't think that's the same as this because I think what we said was entirely reasonable criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas what these people are saying is wrong, for all I know. Like, um, I can imagine that this kind of feedback is actually sort of useful to developers because it probably highlights... It, in, uh, Tom's on a face, so I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean oh, to Tom, be interrupting. I wasn't watching. Oh, that was <laughs> shit. I bit one of my teeth. <laughs> imagine, mm. imagine Popeye without a pipe. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I want to see this feedback. I want to see exactly what they said and why. Because I want to know. Because I've definitely, I have seen, a thing I experienced with the heat signature was, like, not when it came out, but before it came out, was a lot of people projecting ideas onto it from other space games. Like, oh, yeah. can I leave my own fleet of ships? Can I build my own ships? Can I mine asteroids and all this stuff? And I was like, what? No, what the hell are you talking about? Why would you think that? <laughs> like, everything we've said is about you being a, a, an agent infiltrating an enemy spaceship. The whole concept is literally you're a guy infiltrating a spaceship and that is it. And anything else outside of that, I was baffled that anyone expected that. And it was because other space games do that. And there were so many space, game, space games that tried to do everything. So that felt like... Um, I mean, no one criticized my game for not doing that, as far as I know, but, uh, it was this weird kind of pressure of like, oh, should I be doing that? I don't think I should be doing that. Um, so that kind of stuff feels not valid to me, like I'm, you know, projecting expectations from another game. But with like Heaven's Vault, you know, my complaints are things like, you know, there's this other game that does, that solves this problem and it works fine for me. Here I'm struggling because of the method you've chosen and it's totally different. I don't know why it's different. I don't know what you're getting from doing it differently. So that kind of stuff I'm less sympathetic to. Yeah. I suppose what I meant was that like, in some ways, this is a way to benefit from things other developers had to learn by making a game people didn't like and then changing it to match their expectations <laughs> and things. So if someone says, I like the way the Factorio handled this particular similar mechanic, then you don't have to do it the same way, but you can probably find, glean something from the way people feel about it. Or the way the the reason why the original method is popular or yeah makes makes the thing work for people. You don't fix what isn't broken, as they say, unless you do, and then you make loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> is that there echoes in, of this? You know, the the wish to make everything factorio. You no, know, you know, even if it's a sort of a different game. In what we were talking about at the start about City of Heroes, about this kind of nostalgic view of like yeah. when when the game was perfect you know it doesn't matter what's been done since to it like it doesn't matter about the the objective you know qualities that have kind of you know arisen it since it's the nostalgia of what it was that you always want to keep yeah yeah it feels like it that that goes on across genres like this yeah 
Kane. I think stopping people from playing games and stopping people from making games would address both of Kane's yes. issues. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's something there. Kane also had a, a question which I think was from last week, which we didn't get to because we, we missed a week, uh, which um, would provide a good reason to not stop making games, which is, hello, uh, which video game would be most improved by replacing its protagonist with an inflatable arm-waving tube man? <laughs> um I think there are lots of good answers to this. I think when we were you know, thinking about this earlier, there's the issue that everything is quite funny. Yeah. Um, and that's true. You know, I think, I think Wolfenstein would benefit. I can, I, I would. Do you it. see it from first person? Um, yeah. No, it's mostly cutscenes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just like, I mean, that. I guess the whole Uncharted side. No, it's, it's also the, um, it's also the, um, it's also the the health meter, like the face. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Oh, they're waving. It just droops <laughs> as you as you don't eat your chicken. It gets all soggy. Um, I think a sort of uh, you know uh, it would take the maybe take the edge off something um, like Dear Esther. <laughs> Or, you know, just that sort of, but that would need to be a third person, become a third person game in order for you to fully enjoy it. Would you come, would, would your character come with <laughs> the, <laughs> would your character come with the, uh, like the, the air blower, the very loud air blower that's going on, yeah. like, as to, to, that powers it, give it, gives it life, breathes literal life into it. Um, would it like, therefore, hmm. In extremely dramatic, uh, sensitive and quiet moments, you'd be permanently <laughs> accompanied by this. I think I would fully support the addition of a wavy arm tube man to Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would... You wouldn't know what to shoot I because can, what is its substance? I can see it working in the Mass Effect saga, <laughs> and especially in the romance scenes. Yeah. <laughs> it would sort of lie on you and you just kind of deflate. <laughs> or like a really, or a, a key scene where it's like, Shepard, in order to, in order to save my people, you must switch off my fan. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it. Paragon interrupt. Like, no, I can find a bigger fan. <laughs> they become massive. Do you know what we good with this? Max Payne. <laughs> Imagine diving sideways but yep. as an inflatable tube man. Could they dive sideways? Probably not. But it would sort of flap sideways like yeah. in a wind or... Yeah, like the bullet time is just sort of like getting caught in a stiff breeze and just sort of... Or like, they turn Whoa! down the fan. <laughs> just fan. <laughs> yeah, one of the issues with this is a podcast question, which is not Shade on Kane, it's on our ability as podcasters, um, is that it's quite visible, quite visual, what the yeah. miming you want to do in order to... Chris throughout this has been miming. Yeah. This... Yes. Man. I have. I need to scroll down, Alex. I need to keep talking while I scroll down. To okay. Uh, for um, only an inflatable I'm arm not bad about- this down for us. <laughs> Matthew writes, As a long-time listener of the pod back in the OG PC Gamer podcast days, I always struggle with something fun or interesting worth messaging in about. But your discussion on gaming the Boots lunchtime meal deal <laughs> reminded me of one of my own exploits. And I don't want to set go. this up too much, but like, holy shit. It's very rare that someone just wins, uh, you know, a question, <laughs> but fucking hell. Back in 2015 and 16, the mobile carrier O2 had a one pound Monday lunch deal at selected retailers, Upper Crust, WH Smith and Boots. You are only supposed to select one, but as we worked near Charing Cross at the time, you could easily sweep up all three within five minutes. 
three meal deals for three pounds. The crowning jewel was always the Boots meal deal. It seemed like anything goes <laughs> with their selection of items, which is just partridgean enough to make it very good. Very good. Anything goes as long as it's grapes and crisps. <laughs> and a main. And a little bag of apple. And a chicken sandwich. Yeah, a chicken stuffing sandwich is the best. And a Diet Coke. Or maybe an Orangina, if you're in a fancy place. No, man. Innocent smoothie. Oh, what you... What are you on about? You bougie. <laughs> With a little knitted willow hat. Yeah. Is that what you like? <laughs> a feel-good message, just to reinforce the, the late capitalist Don't you like thick reading? juice. Do you not like reading? <laughs> reading its Juice words. of the working class. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a... Prawn cocktail crisps all day. Anyway, here's where it gets interesting, Matthew writes. The deal had a one-minute timer once you clicked through to the coupon code. As as Charing Cross Station has not one but two boots outlets, you could press the button, pay for your goods at store one, run to store two, stock up and check out using the same coupon, bagging you four lunches in one (laughs) fell swoop. Those were the days... Matthew. Were they all getting four lunches each and then were they eating all of the four lunches or or was it like one person went and got all the four lunches and then split it between four? That wouldn't make any sense economically. I mean, then you're paying four pounds for lunch. I mean, it's a good, it's good value, but no, it's It's a a lot of lunch. lunch. It's a lot of lunch. It's a lot of lunch. (laughs) Well, presumably if this is Monday, this is lunch for a couple of days. Yeah, perhaps. Although how fresh will it be? Yeah. Well, less over time. You're That's innocent good, smoothie, <laughs> not so innocent on day four. Yeah. <laughs> Fallen good, smoothie. Sullied smoothie. <laughs> it's a little bobble hat. Tainted smoothie. <laughs> Damp and... Yeah. Uh, another great 80s jams. Um, that was... The- uh- <laughs> That's good with Maxim, though. That's really good with This is the only thing I will accept under the term life hack. I think it's been often overused. Getting good meal deals. Like that life hack of the day, which was just... Uh, using the handle on your chopping board as a, a bin shoot. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's a handle, you maniac. As a bin shoot? It's hard to explain without showing you a picture yeah, in an audio format. It'll change, <laughs> it'll change your life for the moment that you watch it, and then you'll forget you never it, do and it. that'll be that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, John writes, Hello, where do I find the Pip and Chris Star Wars magic moments where she remembers thing and entertains? Uh, Chris's YouTube is all gone. And I don't know if they were there before or where I can magically watch them again. I would very much like to watch, uh, or mostly listen to them again. Thank you so much. Love the pod and its contents. Uh, sincerely, John, who also provided a very good picture of his good dog, Hondo, which yeah. I think is a Star Wars a very good dog. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I had a bit of a purge on my YouTube channel. Um, go, a complete purge on my YouTube channel. So, uh, it wasn't used for much. It was just my personal clips of games and things. They're all gone, but I realized when we got this question, so thank you for sending it, that this also meant that the, uh, Star War, uh, Pip remembering Star Wars, uh, videos are gone. So I have been meaning to re-upload them to the Crate and Crowbar YouTube channel, and this will be the, uh, the prompt i need to do that so if you haven't listened to these before it's me and pip talking through all three movies of the original star wars trilogy from memory in pip's case um which um is funny because because pip (laughs) so yeah thank you for reminding me about that basically i'll put them up probably in time for when this episode goes up but maybe just after our final he said not sure question comes from rick he writes dear chocks and rebirth it's Easter soon, and that got me thinking. 
When I was a kid, I always wanted the big after eight egg with the whole box of mint chocolate deliciousness in it. To this day, even with my own income, I've never had one. Are there any eggs you covet but have never had? <laughs> Keep podding the good pod, Rick. It's a good question. <laughs> uh, I remember the Bendix Bitterment egg being... Uh, my what? Do you, anyone familiar with Bendix Bitterments? Bendix. Bendix is a, uh, manufacturer of mints, I guess. Uh, it's my mum's favourite thing. It sounds thing. very medical. Yeah. yeah. It's very minty and very dark chocolate. So oh. not, not overly sweet and not milky or anything. Just very, like, kind of bitter Damn. and minty. Which is what my mum likes, I guess. And so Bendix Bitterments were her favourite thing and that she would get that egg for, for Easter. And I would get, uh, you know, Normal eggs, I guess. <laughs> Just regular chicken less, eggs. Less, yeah, <laughs> standard hen eggs. I have to like them, damn it. No, I would get milk chocolate things. Um, but I was always curious about that one. <laughs> I don't think I ever had it myself. Um, I'm also curious about the void egg, which I <laughs> believe all? is, I, I think it might be Starbound that it's in or Stardew Valley. Mm. Don't know. I, has anyone played Stardew Valley enough to know whether it has fantastical elements in it? I don't think it's Stardew Valley. It sounds like Starbound to me. Yeah. It sounds more likely. I think a void chicken hatches from a void egg, but uh, that only raises further questions. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and in some cases, the original question. <laughs> Alex? There was a sound, like, I, I don't know whether it's still true. I should do because I've got kids and... And we should probably spoil them with eggs because that's what happens at Easter. But mm. I don't, don't, I don't think today's, uh, Easter eggs are quite as kind of, um, like there was a period when I was growing up when Easter egg boxes were huge and they'd have all these sort of sections and kind of like they would take up <laughs> shitloads of space, lots of kind of cardboard. Yeah, I remember that. And you'd get like two whispers and the egg <laughs> and like, you know, there was the, like, the, yeah. And, and a it was mug. a chocolate event. It was like yeah. a localized <laughs> chocolate event. Yeah. And there were kind of other things in them. Uh, and I always I, wanted like the most, the bit, the most biggest kind of Cadbury's <laughs> ones. Am I imagining, or did they move away from having stuff inside the egg? I remember a lot of stuff inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break yeah, the egg yeah, open. True. Be, You'd always have be, like, um, yeah, uh, the payload would yeah, be within the egg shell. Yeah. <laughs> and now these days it seems like there's just an empty just egg and then some stuff egg. alongside it. It's usually just the normal product or like a small version of the mm. normal product. Is that product. because like someone would like eat the whole egg or like someone with a really like a big, a big mouth? <laughs> giant mouth and a giant throat. They'd eat the entire egg and, and then choke on The choking risk seems small to me. Yeah, I know, but like, what if. What if the anaconda man is celebrating? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. When you do have a, a an entire egg of that size, how do you go about tackling it? Do you smash it with your fist? Do you ram your face into it? Do you um, I, divide it carefully with a knife? Um, I always feel like if you, if you, if you allow it to break in half along its seam, so mm -hmm. you end up with two egg, you know, egg halves. Green and black ones. That is the too seam easy. is incredibly strong. Huh. Is it? Hmm. Yeah, this is true. Gotta work at it. Um, I, um, I like to, um, just try and just sort of nibble at it until it gives way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a puncher myself. <laughs> Full on fist. You gotta smash the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> Shrapnel out. I will maybe tap it on a table if I need some. Like, I think I eat an Easter egg like a crow would eat an Easter egg. Like, there's some pecking and then maybe some bashing, but like not, you know, there's no violence really beyond that. As I, kind of I thought I was being restrained not using my entire face, but I guess I'm <laughs> barbaric for using my fist in the first place. Yeah. It just seems very violent. 
Yeah, well, it's that's the joy like of it. Springs but here, motherfuckers. It's a fragile Smash. thing you're allowed to break. <laughs> right. Okay, I see that. But I want to break it because I want to eat the chocolate. And therefore, I kind of... I don't know. I worry that if you break the That's egg... That's easier when it's in it a million becomes, pieces. It becomes... when it, it just becomes a pile of chocolate at that point, which... That's great. But it is great. But <laughs> That's what I want. There's a sort of ovoid excuse. That's what the, <laughs> it's what the egg to, is. To what? What's <laughs> wow. an ovoid excuse for it? It allows you to eat the chocolate because you're like, well, this is a celebration of some kind. Oh, like the whole thing? Yeah. And as long as it retains its sort of egg shape, (laughs) the symbolism of the event is maintained. Therefore, I can eat all of this. And then it it becomes just simple base chocolate. Like if I, if it breaks in half along the seam and I just like munch on both of those halves, then all you've done is really eaten two egg, like, shoes. In a very real sense, haven't you eaten two but what are you shoes? being? It, but when it's in egg form, like, what, yes. what are you thinking about? Like, are you thinking about the miracle England. sprint throughout? <laughs> no, I'm just... What are you thinking? Like, I'm, I'm celebrating the return of life to the ground. I mean, you know, I, I'm just... Oh, everything is fecund. The passion, you know, like, I mean... You know, I... I like, I mean, it's... A, you take a lot of sin into yourself on a day like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what it, kind of sin is your yeah. choice like i like i mean you know i just i sort of i like i like to feel like i'm breaking into the egg from above with my, <laughs> oh my <God>. christ <laughs> alive both of you like there's, there's, there's what are you tom, doing Alex? there's tom like i just have guilt because like as i get older like uh my my body's ability to enjoy things that are nice gets it's just falling away like <laughs> like for me chocolate i love fucking love chocolate it makes me feel ill as shit oh, like no. i get indigestion i feel fucking terrible so basically eating a chocolate egg is an exercise in trying to stop myself from eating <laughs> too much and too much is not very much mm. and um but i fucking love the chocolate and then i feel ill and so basically uh i'd rather not be near it <laughs> right there is no egg that <laughs> A normal egg. Chicken egg. <laughs> Just a normal egg for me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding me about the joys of Easter with this real egg. Yeah. I, I think there's something psychological about the curvature of the chocolate that makes it taste better. Like if you get like a... a surface area thing. Like a normal dairy milk egg. I don't know if that's a standard thing, but like just that normal kind of chocolate that you just get from Cadbury's in general. If I have a bar of that, it's not that great but if i have fragments of an egg <laughs> i'll be eating it for like a week or two yeah. after easter and it just tastes better i think it's reason. the whisper effect like it's just the sheer mm. amount of surface area that your tongue is interfacing with <laughs> <laughs> that's the creepiest way See, so yeah i think my you know we were talking this is really a question about dream eggs. let me interface my tongue with that <laughs> god oh that's gonna end up as someone's text message <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the um the you know the the question is obviously about a dream egg and i had this i was just thinking and i almost said something stupid because i've never done that i guess before um which is that obviously if if my dream easter egg would be a, a big mini egg but is that not just an egg <laughs> what the fuck? no it's full of chocolate isn't it no but it's what do you call it just a large chocolate egg <laughs> But it's a mini but it's egg. Solid. But mini but egg it's a mini egg. It's a mini egg. It's specific. Oh, so you're saying the name would have to be egg? Yeah. <laughs> Simply egg. Yeah. <laughs> or even large egg. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, an Easter egg sized egg is bigger than a traditional egg. Yeah. Well, it, well it'd be I mean, maxi egg to be yeah, a style. egg. Mega yeah. egg. My favorite. Maybe bigger egg. Suit setting. <laughs> <laughs> maximum egg. 
Maybe um, Zeta egg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ultimate egg. Omega <laughs> egg. I don't know what you call it, but this is the issue because I want a very specific mini egg experience. So okay. you basically you're want a mini egg, but like a solid I want, chocolate. I want to, yes, I want to have the and experience then, that a borrower would have eating a mini egg. Is <laughs> so? Is the is the sugary shell of a mini egg? Is that proportionally larger, or is it the same? Yeah, thing? Is it oh. as thick? Are you no. having to take a, a chisel to this motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shoot it with a gun. I Tom is in tears, Sorry. having tried to punch it. <laughs> this is what I always imagine. <laughs> I guess my face. It was the one time I decided to do this. This is what I always. Imagined that the dinosaur eggs in Jurassic Park tasted like. Yeah, I imagine it was like a sugar- sugary coating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, life finds a way. Another. <laughs> like, yeah, I, no, I think I think it would. I would actually want it to have roughly the same thickness because otherwise you're going to have some kind of like marzipan or something under there just to give you a bit of like buffer. Same, same thickness in absolute terms or relative terms? Uh, in absolute terms. So the yeah. thickness, the thickness of the, the the sugar shell. Yeah, you don't want to be, be the same as as a mini egg, hmm. um, but you it's just a shitload of chocolate. It's like a, you know, a solid. Yeah, it's a solid. All the way block, through. Yeah. In a way, a lung of in these terms, a coconut is the most disappointing mini egg because the, the yeah. shell is just like this wood stuff that you can't eat at all. And then inside, there's not even chocolate. There's some weird white flesh that's not that great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck coconuts. <laughs> um. <laughs> the worst kind of egg. What the hell lays them anyway? <laughs> And that's all the questions we've got time for. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of The Crate and Crowbar, you can do so by emailing us at questions at crowbar.com. You can also tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. Thank you, as ever, to our Patreon supporters for supporting the podcast and, by extension, the spin-offs. You can find out more about the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. We have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Crate and crowbar uh and you can if you wish find us individually on internet service twitter uh i am at c thurston that's c-t-h-u-r-s-t-e-n i am at rotational r-o-t-a-t-i-o-n-a-l tom i am at pendedact p-e-n-d-a-d-a-c-t thanks for listening everybody